Well, there always seems to be one piece of news that happens after everything else happens in college basketball that uh, shakes things up. Kind of a usually a late April, early May surprise. And uh, we certainly got one, Brad. Uh, Jay Wright retires. It feels like much longer than six days ago. Um, But as we record this podcast, it pretty much is exactly six days ago. Um, We're recording it here on a Tuesday evening. So six days since Jay Wright's retirement. Plenty of portaling has happened since then. Plenty of NIL has happened since then. I spent the weekend at the uh, Nike UIBL in Indianapolis. A lot of coaches, talked to a lot of people, watched some good players. Um, Saw DJ Wagner and Gigi Jackson and uh, Isaiah Collier and, and some of those bigger names that were out there and had a lot of fun. Matas Buzelis, who's terrific, and Taylor Bull Bowen, Bull Bowen, excuse me, from the uh, Expressions Elite. It's a lot of fun watching UIBL and seeing some of the talent. But uh, Brad, before we get into a lot of the portal happenings and and things like that, we probably should address the rather large news that uh, Jay Wright was retiring. Um, did I mean you were just I mean floored? I assume right? Yeah, I mean. Came out of nowhere off a off a Shams tweet, like I think it was like right before the Celtics game, right? Because I was like sitting down to watch and came through. I mean, yeah, that was that was stunning. Um, so let let me uh, let me walk you through my afternoon the day that that uh, that all happened. So at like three o'clock, you know, and the news broke at six Eastern, I th- or six Central, I think. So three o'clock Central. I'm sitting around on my couch. I'm doing a little work. Heart's not really in it. And I get a text from a coach, good friend. He says, I think Jay Wright's going to retire tomorrow. And I was like, get out of here. Like, shut up. He's like, no, no, I, I, like, I'll bet you a steak dinner that, that Jay Wright retires tomorrow. I said, okay, well, you know, that you seem oddly confident about this. Uh, and, and then I texted him this, and I, I think I tweeted this. I don't remember if I did or not. Um, you know, no offense, buddy, but like J, J. Wright could could call me himself right now and say I'm retiring, and I, I wouldn't believe him. So, you know, your 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 you know, convincingness is not going to uh not going to do much on me. And he's like, well, you know, we'll see what happens. I said, okay. So I uh I text my editor and I say, well. It's very interesting. Uh, someone just gave me this like outlandish tip, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go see if I can chase it down. So I text an agent, um, and an agent, you know, says to me, he's like, oh yeah, no, like there's there's definitely some some real stuff to this, and you know, Jay has been kind of pondering it all off season and kind of wants to go, and just a matter of kind of establishing the succession plan. But you probably got some time. Like I don't think this is gonna happen. You know that they like I think we were doing it on Wednesday and like Thursday was the team banquet. So they didn't expect anything to happen before the team banquet. Um, so I was like, okay, this is legit. And I wrote, you know, my story about Jay Wright retiring and like sent it off and didn't, uh, obviously didn't publish it and just left and went out to dinner. So, so I was sitting down at bat 17, which is a, uh, sports bar in Evanston. I was meeting a friend for dinner and, uh, I checked my phone. I'm like, ah, oh, you gotta be kidding me. So I was not very good dinner company as I sat at my uh, sat sat at the dinner table, uh, eating my burger, like frantically texting uh, and frantically writing from my phone to get the uh, get get the news out. But um, yeah, the the three hour tip certainly did help a little bit, but it was still a uh, still kind of brain breaking, right, Brad? It's like 
I think the th- the thing, biggest thing is you never considered Jay in the same kind of tier in terms of age or like standing in the game as like Coach K or Roy or someone like that. So it just felt felt out of place for him to retire. You know, if Beheim or Izzo or someone like that retired, no one would be like, oh, my gosh, shock of the century. But Jay, I mean, Jay, Jay was 60 years old, which is already young to retire. But then to do it, you know, it's particularly young when you get to the fact that, you know, he's, you know, it looks like he's 50. And uh, instead, we're losing a, a titan of the game, one of the best coaches in college basketball, maybe the best coach in college basketball of the last 10 years. And you know, I'll, I'll certainly miss him around uh, the sport. I mean, he was big time. I mean, to- totally transformed that program uh, to like a basically a blue blood. Now, when it seems like the recent discourse has has a lot of people dismissive of Villanova post Jay Wright, um, they're not getting the same confidence that Duke is getting post Coach K or even that UNC got post. Roy Williams. It seems like everyone is convinced that this is the death of Villanova. You know, I've seen people say, "Oh, uh, you know, maybe Xavier could run the conference. Maybe UConn. Maybe Providence. Maybe um, Creighton." You know, but I, I don't think Villanova is just done quite yet. I mean, Kyle Neptune has the same profile as Hubert Davis and John Shire did, except he got a year uh, to dip his toe in the head coaching water at Fordham, where, you know. I, I remember, you know, I, I was screaming into the void last year, you know, why didn't Fordham hire Jared Grasso or Shaheen Holloway? And then when they hired Kyle Neptune, I was like, this guy's not going heavy enough on the transfers. He should be just turning over this whole roster of transfers. But going 500 at Fordham is is nothing to, to a sneeze at. I think maybe Jeff Neubauer had like he went one 17 year and 14 than that. in year one. Yeah. Right. So that that's the concern, right? Is that. Nep and Newbauer basically had the same year one. It went very poorly for Newbauer since. But it's worth noting the context of like Newbauer had a decent roster to walk into and Newbauer and uh Nep did not. Nep had to go get Antonio Day and Darius Quisenberry and you know, obviously he had Chubo Homs, but other than that, yeah. So continue and, who thought. Um so I I think at least for this year, I mean if 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 Caleb Daniels comes back which that's that's the big one they're still waiting on. Slater's coming back. Cam Cam Whit- Whitmore and Mark Armstrong both said they're coming. Um, even if they don't get a transfer point guard, I mean this is still a, a very good team that could still win the Big East. I mean Mark Mark Armstrong's a top fifty recruit. Uh, Angelo Brizzy redshirted last year, so I think you 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 definitely want to upgrade the point guard position. It seems like they're after guys like Courtney Ramey. I'm not sure who else, um, but like that's the that that's still a good team, um, you know. When when I saw that Wright was leaving, my my first thought was um, that that Daniels and Slater told him that they're not coming back, and then he was like, "Screw this, I'm out." Uh, because I was looking at the roster like a couple days before, and I was like, "Wow, if they lose Daniels and Slater, they gotta like really hit the portal and just turn it over to these young guys. Like that would be such a such a pain for Jay Wright." And then he like <laughs> he quits a couple days later. Uh, you know, that's that's something, something that I would do if my two two best players for the upcoming year said they're not coming back. I might just quit. Um, I'm so done. I, yeah, I, I was uh, I, I was empathizing with Jay there. Yes. You, you text. That was your immediate reaction. Like, do you think that Jay just realized he was going to have to replace like five starters and didn't want to do it? I was like, I, I think it was a little bit more than that. Um, 
so I kind of the future of Villanova, right? Like, I think the reason I would be less optimistic, and this is again not to say that Villanova won't be a perennial NCAA tournament team, won't be in contention, you know, like won't won't contend for Big East titles, but like the days of Villanova winning national championships, I kind of think are over unless Count Neptune's you know a monster, right? Like, I, I think the one thing that's and again. It, it, it feels very, it, it's all very reactionary to the moment. Um, but NIL, right? Like Duke and Carolina, you kind of knew that there's money at Duke and Carolina for that. And they get the Villanova is like a well-supported program, but it doesn't strike me as a place where all of a sudden they're going to be able to, you know, like, 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 could Villanova have gotten in the mix and paid Nigel Pack eight hundred thousand and a Tesla for two years? But like, we we have no idea who can, which boosters are willing Duke, to do Duke, that. Duke can. They have, they have, they have boosters who would, who, who would pay that much for for for, for I a guy guarantee like that Duke. I guarantee that Duke could get in the mix with any kid that they want to get. Guarantee. If, if if we if Kentucky if, certainly can. I mean, they got two million for Shibway. Um If we could just pivot to NIL, I mean, it's going to be so tough to determine who are the NIL players and who aren't because it's basically the uh, the the willingness of donors to to spend an obscene amount of money. Uh, in, in and how are we supposed to be able to, to and get no to like actual no actual like financial value like like Oscar Shibway is not the poster child for bad NIL like Oscar Oscar Shibway is like a legitimate star like Oscar Shibway can make a lot of money from doing like brand deals and going on the community and doing autographs like obviously Oscar will get like a large check but like Oscar could do a we could make a legitimately large amount of money just by promoting things because of how big it absolutely is. yeah right like no literally like. I think you could walk on the street in Coral Gables, which is where the University of Miami is, or go to Miami Beach, wherever you want to go. You could you could have asked them, you know, Friday afternoon, who is Norchad Omir? And they would have no idea. Like, not a single person would have any idea. Who's Nigel Pack? Like, one person would probably have an idea. You know, like, n- no one has any idea who these people are. Like, they, like it's, it's complete, like, like, it's complete fraud. And, and again, it... You know, I, I don't I don't blame any of these guys for getting the bag, but like it is what it is. So, you know, but there's someone who's want, willing to pay it because they want to win basketball games, right? And and people say, oh well, it's that's the free market. It's like no, it's not, because you're not paying the basketball player to be a basketball player, right? You're paying the guy to like endorse Life Wallet or whatever. I, I don't know what Life Wallet is. I have no idea. But it's there's like this guy end. who's you're, super you're, rich. You're hemorrhaging money on 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 your investment. Right. Right. You're, you're right. But so, you don't care. Right, but it's like how many people are willing to hemorrhage this much money to get players? Like, like what happens if Nigel Pat comes in and averages like ten, ten points and three assists a game? Yeah, what happens to year two? Yeah, like this. This is so fascinating and, and so fun. Like, what if um, Mr. Ruiz turns like a uh, like, like a Vivek Ranadive, where he's just like, you know what, GM and scouting department, I know you've. You've worked long and hard on this draft, but I watched the final four. And I, I want Nick Stauskas with a lottery pick. Thanks. Uh, make, make the pick. Uh, see you guys tomorrow. You know, like, what if, what if he's just like, hey, coach, call Terrence Shannon last night. Uh, made him an offer. <laughs> he's like, well, I, I didn't tell you to do that. Like, no, 
<laughs> no, it, it, it is fascinating, right? And again, we'll we'll get into some of the NIL stuff in a second because, but I do want to close the book on Jay. Um, and my point is that, like, I'm not I'm not confident that Villanova is well positioned in those waters to begin with. And Jay Wright would would be a neutralizing factor. You know what I'm saying? Like Jay, Jay Wright's an elite coach. He's able to develop players. He's able to find and you know, build a relationship with kids who are willing to kind of go a different way. And that was already going to, I think, get harder because of NIL, right? Like, um, like it was already going to get harder because there were going to be more kids who wanted money and Villanova was going to do what they could. Like, I I already think they were going to struggle a little bit. And then you're going to add in the fact that now it's Kyle Neptune, who's a unknown and who, quite frankly, again, did a great job for him this year, but we don't really, you know, the, the track record of Jay Wright's coaching tree is pretty bad. Not not pretty bad, very bad. Baker Dunleavy, general failure at Quinnipiac. Uh, I mean, so is the Duke Pat tree. Pat Chambers, terrible. Um, right, but Duke's going to get any player they want, right? And again, Sh- Shire's a good recruiter. I'm not denying that. But like, you or I could sign a top 10 class at Duke. Absolutely. But the the, the thing that... Like why you can't just outright dismiss teams based on NIL is that we have no idea which teams have billionaire or millionaire donors that are willing to spend this money. Like before NIL, would you have considered Miami to be no. the one that's making the waves? No. Because we didn't know that they had a billionaire fan that's just you know has this law firm and this company and just wants to wants to sign some cool transfers for Coach L, you know. <laughs> I actually because think it's like, kind like, of the dream. It's, it's kind of the dream, right, Brad? Like, like, like. Who knows if like UTEP has a billionaire alum and he's just like, you know what? Let's let's get this part started. <laughs> no. What 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 are we gonna do? Like, like, Brad, can, can we please like get you rich? Like, can we get you like super 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 wealthy by like the age of fifty, and then you just like sit around in in Providence and like throw the bag at like Baylor Shireman every year? Here's here's the thing that you might not know about me is I'm I'm very 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 cheap. There is I I would be haggling with Nigel Pack to this minute trying to get him to come down from the four hundred thousand dollars, right? Because like uh, on like the CBS podcast, uh, Gary Parrish was like, you know, this is their mar-, you know people said that the players have no market. This is their market. Well, yeah, like in a sense, your market is what people are willing to pay, but from like a Right, because the the original pitch was okay. Nil is you're gonna make money by being in ads and being in a car commercial for the local right, dealership. The, the, the like, concern, the, cons- <laughs> the concern was like, oh, how do we stop someone from giving someone like a hundred thousand dollars to do a car ad that they're clearly not worth, right? Right, and, and that's and that's not a concern for me, but it, this this isn't their market. Like Nigel right. Pack's not worth four hundred thousand dollars a year, except to the Miami fan. That needed an upgraded point guard. Right, and, and and again, I mean, it's just so 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 the biggest thing for me that 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 holds me back, right? It, it, honestly, I don't even care that much about the money, right? Like, if they want to have four hundred thousand, they want to have four hundred thousand. Like, my my issue is that like, it's so blatantly being used in recruiting, right? Because it, it makes it like a clearly unfair market. I mean, he and dropped he dropped the the terms the of the tweet deal this at was, the same time. This was the Shams Lonzo Ball sign and trade all over again. And and what did you what did you what did you text me that was so funny? Um, you what? texted you texted me like like it's 
or you tweeted at me. I don't remember if it was texting. Yeah, it you was, said like you're like like this is the easiest rule to like circumvent. Right. Right. Where it's just like next month, our, our friend Mr. Ruiz can be like, I I I've learned so much about this great young man Norchet Omir and his journey from Nicaragua. I think he'd be a great spokesman for the Life Wallet app. You know. Instead, right. he's like one minute later. He's like, Yeah, we Fair have enough. agreed to a contract for eight hundred thousand dollars and an automobile. <laughs> right. There's, there's. I think the one thing that you have to consider is like anyone who's willing to spend, you know, three to four million dollars to fill out the Miami basketball roster for one year, uh, is probably not super. Uh, it's it, probably doing it because they want publicity. And Mr. Ruiz loves the publicity. And I, I, I don't think it should be lost on people that Norchad's tweet announcement from John, Mr. Ruiz, was far less, uh, far less like out, outward about how much money he was making. Partially because I don't quite know how Norchad's going to sign a like massive NIL deal, given that he's not an American citizen, uh, and that's like not allowed. So that'll be interesting. Um, but either way, I mean, look, well, Mr. Ruiz. Apple was he tweeted that, and then probably. Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller right, yeah, and like, everyone's like, wait a second, go. can I have some money too, please? Right. Isaiah Wong then enters the draft like the next day. And it's like, that could be a coincidence, but it also could just be like, I might as well test the waters and see if I can get a million. You know, yeah. I'm worth more than Nigel Pack. Right. So it's like, I mean, right. So, so, so essentially what, where, where I come down is this, the NCAA rules clearly state it's a, it's like name, image, and likeness deals cannot be used as a recruiting inducement. And I've seen lawyers who are involved in this space tweet things who have essentially said, like, look, you know, the way that, you know, someone is getting around this is there like, you know, the, 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 the collective this or like John Ruiz or whatever, whoever the hell is involved in it is just like putting on the contract that the deal is, you know, valid, you know, is regardless of where they go to school or like it says, you know, or, or they just don't speak of where they're going to school. Right. It's like it's done separately. But, like, if the NCAA actually just accepts that as fact, I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Like, like, how is it possible that Nigel Pack can already have a like, – like, oh, well, they say, oh, well, Nigel Pack committed before and just hadn't announced it. Okay, so he just, like so – so he commits to Miami completely un, 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 unfettered. And then the, the – instead of – you know, he doesn't announce it to anyone, but this booster hears about it somehow, and he calls up Nigel. It's Nigel, you know what we'd love to do? We'd love to give you – Four hundred thousand a year for the next two years and an automobile. Like it, it makes no sense. Like it's obviously a recruiting inducement, and, and and coaches I think are frustrated because like what is the rule, right? Like if if I'm allowed to do that, all right, let me like go to the war chest and find the rich people, right? Like if I'm allowed to do that, I'm gonna go try. But no one knows if they're actually allowed to do that, and I think that's what's frustrating. Um, you also have the fact that, and and I I know uh, Jason Belser, who's who's an agent, who's also very involved in the NIL world. Uh, he, he tweeted something instead of like a lot of agents right now are like deliberately like pushing kids into the portal because they know that they can get more in an IL and uh, oh, by the way, you know, the agent gets 15 to 20% of an NIL deal because they're negotiating a deal instead of like a four instead of like a much smaller percentage for salary. Jeff Goodman tweeted like 15 to 20 versus 4%. It is, you know, it varies from agent to agent, but that number is like generally correct. Like, yeah, but like, uh, there there aren't a ton of players like that where it's like, oh my god, why is this guy leaving? Right? There was the Tyrese Hunter one that we, you know, went on and on about last week, 
Uh, but like the, there aren't a ton of guys out there where it's like, oh, he was in a good spot on a high major team. Why is he transferring? Like no, Nigel Back was on Kansas State. That, but like, right, but Nigel Back could have come back. But they had a new coach and they stunk last year. Right. And Miami really needed a point guard. And like Nigel Pack in like the grand scheme of things, it is is he a top fifty player in college basketball? I mean, he was first team all Big Twelve last year. I'd say he's, I'd say he's probably a fringe top fifty player in college basketball, and Norchad is probably between like fifty and hundred. Maybe. So like these aren't like like Miami's not gonna win the national championship next year. Right, that's that's why this is so interesting because, at least from like a roster standpoint, Miami's gonna have like a solid like top thirty roster. And yeah, so they wing Wong back maybe a little bit better for sure. Right, so like, is this guy M- Mr. Ruiz gonna still still want to pay that much money for a team that's gonna be a seven seed and make the second round, or um, after a while is he gonna want to spend less, or is it, or the the scenario that I'm hoping for is he's like I'm I'm the one with the money I'm going to choose the players that I want right and he's right. just like throwing out offers well, behind there niggas. Well, how about this? I mean, look. So so what happens when now that the, now that the coach now that this booster's playing all the players now the booster decides he doesn't like the coach anymore. Yeah. See you later. Right. And I mean, it's already it's already like that to a degree, but like at Miami right now, I mean. Like is Larinaga steering the ship? Right, that's that's the thing where you have to be careful if you get in bed with these guys, uh, because it could backfire on on, on you, right? Right, right. And well, well, I'm spending three million on this roster. We we're we're only like an eight seed. I want to fire you and get someone else. And you know, okay, here's six million to Miami to go buy out the coach, and we'll bring in a new guy. According according to to verbals right now, this is if if everyone uses their extra year. Miami's at 14. I think probably Dengax, the probably the guy who's not coming back. Um, but okay, so th- that means that they're full right now, right? What if Mr. Ruiz is like, you know, what, I I think Bayless Scheidemann w- would uh, be a good fit, and he says, okay, Harlan Beverly, here's here's ten thousand dollars to to leave, you know, <laughs> or Danilo Jovanovic. Well, no, no, why would he even pay them to leave? leave? Why would he even pay them to leave? He just tells Larinaga, you have to run him off. Your scholarship can't be renewed, so I can go pay Baylor Shireman. Yeah. You know? Like, I, I, I'm, like, very curious how it all works out. I think we're just very – again, it's so early, right? Like, last year there was some NIL, but, like, it wasn't – it, it, it was, was all kind of, like, under the table. It was like, all right, let's, like, get this done or, like, some fine stuff. Um, I'm just – you know, I'm very curious, right? Like, how does it all work out? You know, what happens when a guy doesn't play well? What happens when a team underachieves? What happens when well, – here, here, how about this? What what happens when Nigel Pack uh, plays really well? What happens if Nigel Pack's the ACC player of the year? Now all of a sudden he's like, well, I'm worth more than that. Where's my more money? Well, well you can't have it because you know, you're on the contract. Okay, I'm going to enter the portal. Well, is that contract still binding? Because the contract made sure it didn't say they had to be at Miami. Okay, if the, if the brand can terminate at any time, then – so they can get out of the contract then because it's no longer useful to life wallet, then isn't that a recruiting inducement? Then doesn't that make Nigel Pack ineligible? Yeah. <laughs> like none of it makes any sense. No. It's, it's all, all it's illogical. all just just whatever goes, try not to get caught. Don't 
Don't right. be as stupid. Which is as Mr. why Louise it's so. Which is why again it's so. Doctor. Which is why again it's so stupid. Yeah, that he did that. Like, what are you doing? Um, but, but like, how many players are gonna get paid the poor? Like on on Titus and Tate. Uh, Tate said the rumor was that teams were trying to pay Kerwin Walton a hundred thousand dollars to transfer. I mean, Kerwin Walton's worth a hundred thousand dollars. You gotta be kidding me. Like, I'm I'm not mad. I'm li- literally not mad one iota about. NIL, I don't think it affects the balance. I think that the best teams probably have the most money and they're still going to get the players, and maybe they were paying before NIL anyway. Um, I don't care that Pat got 400000 I think it's just kind of wild. Um, the fact that Kerwin Walton was offered supposedly $100,000 angers me. I'm angered. That is literally lighting money on fire. Like, if Kerwin Walton went in the portal, shouldn't he be like, lucky to get like a minnesota or something to be like you know what we'll give you a second chance like minnesota is like the right fit yeah yeah we'll 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 give you a second chance we'll give you consistent minutes to prove you're more than just a spot-up shooter you know it really is something there's no way that Kerwin walton was paid uh, I, I, right. I, I, I can't. No, that's the other problem. Is the guys are just like throwing numbers out and don't know what's real. Like we need, I think we really do need like some level, some like some way of having transparency about it. I mean, unless, I mean, it, unless like, they stay woke, maybe it was a UNC booster that was trying to free up his scholarship so they could get Gigi Jackson or something. Because they're full they're right now. Gigi Jackson, either way. Um, well, I mean, it's just again, it's wild. And again, I mean, look. There are so many like far-reaching impacts of this, right? Like, so Nigel Pack announcing he's worth four hundred thousand just set the market for Baylor Charman, right? Like, if Nigel yeah. Pack's worth four hundred thousand in a car to Miami, then how is Baylor Shireman not worth six hundred thousand to Duke or seven fifty to Kentucky? You know, like the bidding bidding started. Jani Broom was visiting Florida that this week, this past weekend. That's public information. If you're if you're Jani Broom and you're sitting on your official visit. And Florida's like, oh well, we've got, you know, I don't know. This is all very hypothetical. Like, I'm not, I'm not suggesting what Todd Golden's doing or whatever. Like, Todd Golden sits in the box and says, you know what, you know, our our friend, uh, our friend Jerry, our friend Jerry Seinfeld, he wants to give two hundred fifty thousand dollars to to Janai to to you for next year to play to play ball here at the, with the Florida Gators. Janai's like, wow, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's more than I would make in, in the NBA this year, you know, in the, in the pros because I would play again in the Knicks of ten. This is pretty good. Um, you know, let's let's do it. And then all of a sudden, Nigel Pack commits for four hundred thousand. It's like, all right, well, I want five hundred thousand. I'm better than Nigel Pack, or I want three fifty because I'm closer as good as Nigel Pack, right? Like, like, how does this work? I think the most likely scenario is that guys were getting in like the fifty thousand dollar range, and then they just saw that Nigel Pack got like four hundred thousand, and everyone's just like very confused. But also like. The whole rumor on on Tyrese Hunter was that he was leaving Iowa State to get this like enormous bag, um, and then his I, first official visit was for Purdue, the team that couldn't match the Miami offer to Nigel Pack. Yeah, right. So like this is all this is all so confusing. Yep. 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 Well, should we get into the actual like basketball applications of the portal in the last week? Sure. Should we start should with we, Miami? Sure. I was Briefly. I was gonna. Propose we do the same order as last time, which is the order of my depth charts that you have no access to. Um, that's that's really productive. Okay, we'll but do let's that. Just, let's just hit Miami because we're already on them. So beyond John Ruiz, who seems like a 
real hell of a guy. I mean, interesting character. I'd love to like have lunch with Mr. Ruiz. If you're if you're listening, John, I'd love to fly down to Miami. I'll meet you for lunch. I assume you'll flip the bill. Uh, you have more money than me, respectfully. Uh, we can go somewhere nice. It'll be good. We'll have a nice conversation. Um, but yeah, so Miami adds Norchad O'Meara and Nigel Pack, two top ten transfers. Um, two, I mean, arguably top five. I think probably not, but like you could make a case. Um, if they bring back Isaiah Wong, they bring back Jordan Miller. That's like a hell of a core. So, I I think you could reasonably rank this team in the top twenty five. I don't think I'd call you an idiot if you had him outside the top twenty five, but right. I mean, again, it depends on how much you like. I think I think I think if you're like they have to be top twenty or something, you way overestimate the portal, right? Like those guys are good players, but you yeah, know, if they were just like um, if they were on Miami, no one would be like, oh my gosh, you know, so good. I mean, Kansas State wasn't very good last year. Right. And, Neither was Arkansas State, but but I I I believe that both both these guys are going to be serious right. in, serious in, impact players. Uh, do you do you think Norchad starts at the four or the five? I mean, if you're playing with Jordan Miller, it kind of works. Like both of them are neither of them are like true centers, but together they can be like one center. And then who who do you have rounding out that fifth starter spot? You have Wuga Poplar or Jakai Robinson or I vote Wuga. Wuga Poplar. I don't really know what's gonna happen though. Like what 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 like what does Wuga think? You know, Wuga, you know, let's say Wuga's making like twenty grand next year. But he's making four hundred in the backcourt with him. <laughs> it's gotta be terrible. But well, Norchad, I mean, so, so so go ahead. I I mean guys have been have been being paid you know since the dawn of time. So this of stuff course. has always been in in the mix. And they probably knew you know, like teammates probably know their teammates are getting paid, you know? Yes. So I don't know if it's going to have that much of a locker room disruption. I think it's more likely of guys just being thankful that Mr. John gave him a nice five-figure sum at least, you know? But, fair enough, fair enough. But Mr. Omier is an interesting player. Um, mid-major Oscar Shibway was how he's described to me by uh, – a Sunbelt assistant who played him not once, not twice, but three times this past year. Um, you know, he's undersized, but he shoots free throws re- relatively well. He's 73% from the free throw line, even though he doesn't stretch the floor. And uh, he has great hands. Everyone raves about his hands. Super high energy, high motor, um, new to the game. But I think the guy who will play well is kind of undersized center next to Jordan Miller. Had some, again, just like massive, massive, massive games. Um Although he was very quiet in their one high major game that they played this year. They played or two high major games. They played uh, Illinois and they played Texas Tech. Uh, against Illinois, he had four points, five rebounds, one block. He turned it over five times and he fouled out in 14 minutes. And against Texas Tech, he was uh, 5.7 rebounds, three fouls, four turnovers, uh, and was one for five from the free throw line. So maybe some concern there about how it translates, but... Again, he was, you know, pretty monstrous statistically. Uh, so you have to give him some credit. And then Pack, I think he was just like as safe uh, a portal option as there was because he's proven as a legitimately good scoring guard in the best conference in college basketball. Uh, he was super consistent against good competition. Um, you know, it's like there's no there's no way Nigel Pack fails, 
right? Like the worst case is that you have a high level shooter who can handle the ball who averages like 12 points a game. Like that's the floor, I think, with Nigel. Definitely could see that. And um, they should probably, when the, when the top 100 lists in terms of players start rolling out, they should probably have three guys on there with Pac Wong and, and the Norchad. Um, if you don't have Norchad ranked in your top 100 list, but you would have if he was still at Arkansas State, it means your like list is fraud. Yeah. Because there's no like, all these top 100 lists, they love to they love to like give these sympathy spots to the mid major players, which drives me insane. Yes. They love the sympathy spot. You just got to be like, all right, well, this guy puts up great numbers at a mid major, but it's like, okay, like like for instance, if Jalen Pickett had stayed at Siena and he averaged like 17, six and six, like he would have averaged this past year. Everyone would have been like, wow, Jalen Pickett, like he should be like top 50. But Jalen Pickett's at Penn State averaging like 16 points, like four rebounds, four assists, and people are like, yeah, not yeah, Penn State sucks, yeah. <laughs> Who gives a shit, you know? So that's that. But Miami would be good. If they get Isaiah Long, they could be really good. Uh, they're still not really going to guard, I don't think. But uh, they get some serious beefed up on the glass, which was a big problem for them last year, so. Good for uh, good for good for John Ruiz and Jim Larinaga, who are co-coach of the Hurricanes. Yeah, they'll be a little small, but you know, I I haven't looked at really the ACC enough in terms of where I'd slot teams. We figure they're not going to be ahead of Duke or UNC, but I'm struggling off the top of my head to come up with another team that could uh, supplant them as third. Maybe like if you're really into Virginia and or Virginia Tech, but they should be right. A lot of people are into Virginia. Yeah, right, right in there, third, third to fifth is my early, semi-educated guess. Yeah, agree with you. Um, let's see. How about what Providence other... next? Yeah, why not? The, the feedback I got last week was we didn't talk about Providence enough. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, coming from Providence fans, so a uh, little biased, but okay, Providence gets a recruit Sunday and Monday. They get Corey Floyd, which the minute he transferred, the UConn message board was like, Providence tampered, they're going to get him. Like, nah, I, I don't know if he's going to sign up to come off the bench here, uh, but he is, supposedly. Um, he was a top 100 recruit in 2021. No, sorry, in well, yeah, he was in 2022 reclassed up where he still made the 24-7 composite top 100 in 2021. We registered at UConn. He's a big physical guard, can play one through three. Uh, he's like 6'4", like 210 pounds, good athlete, shot the ball really well from deep in uh, in AAU. He's on the best AAU team in the country, team final, which had Jalen Duran and Derek Lively and Otega away and Justin Edwards. A um, couple of the guys I can't can't think of right now. The team was oh uh, Justice Williams from LSU. Team was loaded. Um, the one kind of downside is that well I guess he's never done it before, but he has four years of eligibility, so that doesn't really matter. Um, and he did not shoot the ball from the free throw line, which the message board negative Nancys are were were ripe to uh, point out. But the, to be somewhere between seventh and tenth in your rotation for this upcoming year, I mean. That's a home run for me. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, I guess the way I would have put the Floyd deal was that like I wouldn't have been like the biggest fan of it if it was 
if it was the only uh, if it was the only guard you were adding, right? If you were like, all right, we need a, we need a starting point guard. We're gonna sign Corey Floyd, or like, oh, we need a second guard to play next to Jared Bynum. All right, let's do Corey Floyd. I'd be like, yeah, this feels a little risky. There's a lot of proven stuff out there in the portal. But uh, yeah, I think yeah. it's a seventh man. No complaints. Yeah, he'll be somewhere I think between seventh and tenth in the rotation. Uh, and then long term, it's it, it's a huge move. I mean, he can play three positions. He shoots. He's a great defender. Uh, so that's huge there. And then the long-awaited commitment of Bryce Hopkins, where it took him 10 years to get into the portal. And then as each day went by, people were getting more and more nervous. There was, I wouldn't say, I mean, this was pretty well sourced. Uh, I couldn't find anything corroborating on Twitter or anything, but he took a visit to Oklahoma. Uh, the the guy, uh, Travis Graff from Rivals, said he was between DePaul and Providence. And we had other people who supposedly had sources that he was going to Illinois. Uh, but at the end of the day, supposedly took a stealth visit to Providence recently. He he just didn't talk to anyone about his recruitment, basically. Um, and signs, signs on the dotted line. And this, this was probably the most important pickup because Providence really needed like a, like a combo forward, kind of like Al, Alpha Diallo type of guy. He's a little bulkier than Diallo, uh, but I think he'll be a better shooter. Then Alpha and hopefully a little uh, you know, no no one loved Alpha Diallo more than me, uh, and he just signed a big big contract in Europe uh, for 1.2 million euros over two years. Um, but thinking maybe nine points and six point in a six rebounds a game for Hopkins this year, C- kind of what my expectation is for him. And then obviously long term, former top 40 recruit didn't play much in Kentucky, but he has three years of eligibility. So in in, in a few years he should really be really be a star right yeah so kind of overall in the Providence transfer class I think the one thing that to me has you know really really does stand out is the fact that you know they got three guys who have three or four years of eligibility right like and in the portal era when you have a coach who's not going anywhere um that's like super super valuable right like those are arguably more 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 valuable than you know top 100 high school recruits because you know beyond the college experience thing, which like you only really I guess have forget Devin Carter because Corey Floyd and Bryce Hopkins didn't really play. You just signed like these three guys, and they're locked in. You know they're on three-year contracts. They can't go anywhere without sitting out. And again, maybe those people say, oh, well, that's their rules going to change or like whatever. But like right now, can't go anywhere. So. You just locked in Devin Carter, who is either leaving early for the draft or staying for three more years of Providence. I'm averaging nine points a game as a freshman in the SEC in under 20 minutes a game. You're getting Bryce Hopkins, former top 50 recruit. You know, a year later, nothing has changed. He's still a you know, top 50 recruit. No, it didn't seem like Kentucky was underwhelmed by the Bryce Hopkins experience. He just didn't play and wanted to leave. And then Corey Floyd, who is a top 100 recruit. All right, great. Re- reclassify sit out a year nothing has changed he's not any better or worse i guess than anyone really thought he was if they're not good they're not good but like providence basically in a week and a half got to uh got 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 three three elite players or three elite recruits which you know if you did that in one like fall people be like oh my god and he's a monster recruiting he's shooting the portal sky well 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of pushback. I see, you know, because there there are a, a big section of Providence fans. I think probably seventy five percent of Providence fans, maybe even more, are like, oh my god, you know, the the these ads were incredible. We're going to be back where we were last year, uh, which I don't think the roster is. Well, the roster last year coming in, you'd say, well, they if, if everything works out, they'll be a bubble team and, and and they'll be like a dead seed, and they ended up being a four seed. This team, I think the median outcome is like a seven or an eight seed. Right. The the the, the floor should be higher, but the ceiling is. Yeah, I think it, that their ceiling. Because could... you hit the ceiling, so the floor should be higher, and the ceiling should be higher too. But it's very rare to actually hit the ceiling, and Providence hit the ceiling last year. But like this, there there's no way that that this roster should should miss the tournament next year. Agree. And. If if it gels, especially because Ed Croswell is actually good. I need to I need to do this because please. Jeff Forzello and Rob Doster have been on my nerves in my text. They're very angry that I said I said I believe I quote Ed Croswell was low key a monster last year at times better than Watson. That's a hundred percent true. And I was I was booted from the group chat for saying this. Booted. Like and did, I said, did they I not said watch the response, NCAA tournament? I when said Croswell was better in all three games. I said Ed Croswell had the highest offensive rating on Providence, the highest defensive rating on Providence. He had 5.7 box plus minus compared to a 3.4 for Watson. He's a top 20 offensive rebounder in the sport based on percentage. He's a way better offensive and defensive rebounder, rebounder than Watson. He blocked shots at a higher rate than Watson. Providence wasn't Providence without Nate Watson because they needed him to score in the post because they didn't have a lot of shot creation. Uh, and Croswell's certainly a different style of player. You're not going to throw it to him on the block every possession. But there's like a, a very compelling case that like Ed Croswell was better than Nate Watson last year. Yeah, all, like all, all the nerds throw out those stats to say that Croswell was better than Watson. There there were many games, starting with the Texas Tech game, where Ed Croswell was better than Nate Watson. Now, if I could have one of the two, I think I'm probably taking Watson uh, because his offense is so good. But people, I think, are a little confused. It's kind of like Providence as a whole last year, right? Croswell's game isn't pretty, right? There's nothing he does that's like wows you or is super graceful. But he just goes out there and he just corrals a bunch of offensive rebounds. He's has a really good toucher on the rim. He's a really good rebounder. His defense was very good. He 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 moves his feet pretty well. And objectively in the NCAA tournament, he was way better than Nate Watson. I, I guarantee you, every Providence fan at one point this year said, "Let's let's take Nate out and put Ed Croswell in." I guarantee you that he is a legitimate starting center. This is not a, a weak spot, right? This right. is a. Is he gonna play? Is he gonna play thirty minutes a game? No, he's gonna play like twenty-four, maybe. Right. Yeah, he's a twenty-five minute a game center, and you play Clifton Moore for fifteen behind him. Beautiful. But Ed Croswell's good, and people need to realize it because otherwise they're going to be like, ah, oh, Providence lost its big, and they're not going to be able to figure it out without him. It's like, no, no, no. Ed Croswell is good. People remember 2020-21, Fat Ed Croswell. And Fat Ed Croswell was bad. He was really bad. I, I, was... I watched I mean, I mean, watched Ed Croswell the first time, and I, I, I had no idea who he was. This year, yeah. Slim and trim, Nate uh, Croswell. But yeah, this... This is a good Providence team. Think that they'll prob. I I think I would probably put them right outside the top twenty-five. 
I don't think many people are going to put them in their preseason top 25s. I think it's going to anger almost all the Providence fans. But, you know, th- th- there are like a, 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 a negative sect of Providence fans that are like, we, you know, you know are, are these guys really that good? You know, why did, if, if Bryce Hopkins is so good, why didn't he play? You know, if, if no lock was so good, why was Louisville so bad? Listen, all these transfers, you you can poke holes in. Every right, every year in college basketball, you do your top 100 player list, and you're like, wow, is the sport in trouble? Where's the star power? And the guys guys get better every year, right? Like, when you had three starters and a sixth man that you needed to address in the portal, you can't really be picky. Like, if there's a, if there's a good player who you know can make a positive contribution – who you have a connection to and wants to come, you have to move. You can't just sit around and be like, well, maybe someone better than Olak will come in. No, like, if you need shooting and there's a shooter out there who wants to come and has averaged double figures basically every year of his four-year career and can really shoot the ball, take him, no questions asked. And if there's a better player down the road who's a shooter, too bad. You got a pretty good one. Yeah, Again, if it was a worse player than Noah Locke, I'd be kind of with it. But uh, yeah, Noah no, Locke's good enough. So you're just like, all right, cool. But anyway, I think we've spent enough time in Providence this time. Uh, I guess there we'll are see other portal guys to mention. I, I guess we'll see uh, when I get the feedback if uh, this was the appropriate amount. Of so. um, I'm just going to scroll through my Twitter feed to get some names to, to toss some names in here. How about uh, how about Kale Catchings? I was just about to say Kale Catching. We need to discuss this. We're we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because you guys don't uh, care I mean, about the yes, strategy of it. But I think it's brilliant. I think it's terrific. Yeah, I, I mean, you you got a guy who's going to have no expectations of playing. Right, he doesn't give a shit. He, he's going from Harvard to Duke. He, he has decent size for a wing. He can, he can shoot the ball. Well, I, th- I think we had this conversation at one point during the season where I said, you know, what Duke did with Theo John should be their model – and, you know, I don't know why they didn't do the same thing to, for, for Bates Jones, you know, like a troop, you know, an actual power forward uh, instead of like a walk on whose brother just like went to do because um, Bates was playing legitimate minutes. And, uh, and then they just got said kind of three, four and kale catchings. You make shots like again, Duke always has scholarships open. So it's not like you're there's, there's no opportunity cost to this for Duke. You improve your competitive depth. You know, if, if if ex freshman if Mark Mitchell tears an ACL, oh well, we've got kill catchings. Uh, you know, he'll he'll eat ten minutes, fifteen minutes a game, right? Like it's it's like recruiting like the Joey Bakers of the world. Like you're never gonna start him, but like they're just gonna play if they if you need him and uh, he's happy. He's not gonna hurt the culture, right? Like one of the big reasons you don't take a kid is you know that they're not gonna be happy if they don't play. I think kill catchings is fine. He has parents who played professionally, his grandparents who played professionally, so they're not gonna give a shit. Like he makes shots. This is so logical. And I, I've heard that they are involved with a high major big man to be the backup center, um, which would be it would, it would feel somewhat Theo John like in that it's a waste because someone else could use him. But for Duke, I mean, it's it's, it's a no brainer. Not it's, not the defense. It's a good player. It's like somebody that's like, I'm going to say, wow, what the hell is this guy doing? Um, it's it, it's like the, it's Theo John level. Is it Ryan he, Young? He, he didn't. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Theo John level, right? If Ryan Young yeah. goes to Duke, it's very Theo John level. So, 
would that mean that Georgetown's picking Frank Anselm over Ryan Young? I don't think Georgetown's picking. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know the deal. All I know is that there's, remember, been, remember that, that, there's, there's that, some buzz. Remember that week when uh, Georgetown was going to have like the best roster in the Big East? Captain Reed. And, yeah. I mean, they still have Brandon Murray, and uh, they're supposed to be getting Tyrell Ward, so it's not that bad. Yeah, they have, they have time to piece it together, but... Um, yeah, it could be like a Texas Tech situation where it looks kind of shaky, and all of a sudden it's like June 1st. Like, ah, oh, geez, they actually might be a monster. So If uh, Georgetown's lineup next year is Dante Harris, Brandon Murray... Mm-hmm. Tyrell Ward, a cook, a cook, and Frank Anselm. I don't know if that's doing it in the Big East. I think that's uh, ninth or tenth. I kind of think it's good. I think it's like a like a fringe turn, like a fringe. I think it's like an NIT team. You, you would think it's better than uh, St. John's? Uh, I don't know. Is St. John's getting David Jones? If St. John's is getting David Jones, then objectively St. John's is a better roster. Correct. I want I want I want St. John's to get a money base. We've already been out of this stuff. Yeah. So, uh, that's 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 enough on Duke. But again, great strategy. The kid could have probably went. I, I know for a fact he could have went to a good A10 program uh, and played, but he's that he's going to go to Duke. So he actually will get to start there. So or not? He 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 would he might have gotten to start in the A10, but instead he's like, all right, I'll just chill. It's interesting enough. And then Duke, uh, if 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 Keels and Moore are, are both gone, gone, which we'll I think see. Keels but, is coming back, but we'll see. If if not, they they would need like a Shireman or you know one of these portal wings, um, to correct. to start. But, correct, correct, correct. Um, as an aside, to just what actually probably my my all time favorite of like the Kale Catchings type take, which actually turned out to be a monster take was when Kansas took Kevin Young, who was a transfer from Loyola Marymount, who just put up like a handful of points a game. Obviously, that was that was a sit-out transfer error. So he sits out, and he came in, and he was like their starting power forward, like awesome glue guy on their, their runner-up team. How about Chris Vogt? Chris Vogt had a roller coaster of a, of a, of a tenure. Chris Vogt? Yeah, four points a game in Northern Kentucky, goes to Cincinnati, wants to be the starting center, and then he stinks for a year. He goes in the portal again. He's good for good at Wisconsin. So, with all with all due respect to Chris Vogt, Kevin Young in Kansas was yes. ten times better. Sorry, than but it was a more recent example. Yes. All right, let's keep going through the recent portals. Uh, I have UMass worth mentioning. They've now signed five high major transfers uh, and a sixth high school player, Keon Thompson. Uh, from Hargrave, but the five five mid-major transfers we mentioned last week, Rajul Diggins uh, and Wildens Levick, who uh, uh, Rajul comes to UConn as top 75 recruit. Wildens Levick was from Brockton, Massachusetts, as you mentioned every time on the podcast, which is kind of a drive, but it's you know still in the state. So uh, comes home, it made a lot of sense. They also brought Tiquan Woodley, who is a uh, Jersey kid who had been in South Carolina with Frank. Uh, and then they signed Gianni Thompson from Boston College, who averaged a point a game, feels a little shaky. But then the one that makes more of a statement is Matt Cross from Louisville, who has now been to like seven schools in the last seven years. Uh, he's not guaranteed to be eligible, but it's a coaching change. He's big. He really shoots it and, you know, has a chance to be, I think, a pretty darn good A-10 player. Yeah, so, I mean, this is certainly a very good collection of talent for the A-10. Um, right. Especially Fernandez, when you know Fernandez back, TJ Weeks back. Yeah. Yeah, so Fernandez and Diggins in the, in the backcourt. Weeks and... CJ Kelly, if, if uh, Kelly's back, 
both both guys were were very productive. They can both shoot it. And then you have four pretty promising frontcourt guys with Levesque, who did it at South Carolina, was a starter. We know Matt Cross is talented. He just can't stick. Woodley, big physical, South Carolina-type guy um, who also played in the rotation, if I'm not mistaken. And then Gianni Thompson, I really really liked him coming out of high school. I was mad when Providence took a Legend Jeter over him. I, I, I In our board bets in the preseason, I picked Thompson to be the highest-scoring non-top 100 freshman, and he didn't even play, which was absurd for a rebuilding team. So I do like this take. He he is just kind of buried if Matt Cross, you know, like, is, is he going to play that much more at UMass than he did at Boston College? Right. It's like what we talked about last yeah. year with some of these teams that took so many transfers, where instead of plugging and playing as a transfer, you're just like a bench player again. Yeah, like Texas um, Tech with, with a Mylik Wilson. and Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, But I think, again, I think these are good takes. I think they're in good shape. I'm very interested by the whole, like, Frank Martin, Matt Cross dynamic, like, a guy who seemingly is, you know, ready to run at first move from every destination, going to play for a guy who is, like, kind of relatively known as hard to play for. Right. His his whole thing is it's my way or the highway, but if you buy in, then you'll be successful. Right. And, and I like remember like full buy in from Matt Cross feels like a. Cinderius Thornwell tweeted like, "That's right, coach. If I just bought in earlier, I would have had so much more success. Like, you're the best." You know, so like even one of their best players in recent South Carolina history was like, yeah, I should have bought in earlier. I did not buy in earlier, uh, but 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 when I did, things things were things really worked out. Yeah. Um, All right, next one up, Wake Forest gets Jao Ituka from Marist. Uh, Jao has been on the radar of upper mid major and low high majors really throughout the season. I've got a lot of kind of questions about him. Uh, I'm not revealing those sources because that would be tampering, but uh, Jawatuka was a name that people knew uh, because he averaged 15 points in 22 minutes a game. I mean, he is a, he he can't do anything except drive right. Like he can't shoot. Uh, he's not a point guard. He can't go left, but he drives right and he can't be stopped. Uh, it sounded like James Madison and Murray state were really duking it out. Uh, and then Wake Forest finally came in with the offer. And so he's off to Wake Forest. I kind of like it for Forbes. I think also again, three-year contract makes it a good deal. Um, any uh, any further comment on Mr. Ituka? I mean, he, he he put up crazy scoring numbers as a freshman. Oh, I mean, I saw him play in person. He's like a monster. I mean, you you cannot stop him. Like you you just can't. Sienna tried their tremendous freshman Jared Billups guarding him. Didn't matter. No no shot. And you know I I I don't know if it's tampering if a coach asks you for a scouting report on a this player. This is fair. This is fair. Um, but no, I mean Wake. Kind of like what I was saying with with Providence. I mean, they needed a lead ball lead ball handler, a lead score you know scoring guard, um, and it wasn't so much as being picky as they they just needed somebody. Um, and as as you mentioned, you've seen this guy many times. He he can really score. And now Wake, if Laravia leaves, they need oh like a wing forward type of guy. They and they still need a starting center. Got to find a way to get Laravia back. Yeah, and then you know they could be pretty good if it's Atuka and Davian Williamson in the backcourt, Mucius and Laravia again, three four, and then a starting center. That 
that could be a tournament team. And then your bench uh, should have a healthy Damari Monsanto, who showed some flashes. And then they got their freshman class to stick around. Um, and we'll see the developments of guys like Lucas Taylor and Cameron Hildreth. Without question. Um, you would think that they should benefit from the fact that Alanis Williams and Jake LaRavia were as successful as they were. You just hope that it doesn't lose them both right away. So, all right. Next portal was, and we should mention North Carolina at the end of this podcast, um, but I just want to stay on the portal while we've got it. Uh, Marcus Hammond off to Notre Dame. I don't know if I like missed something, but I had always, I had heard like it was like Rutgers, Georgetown, Kansas State, and they just like randomly like Notre Dame. Um, yeah, so it was Rutgers until they took Cam Spencer. Cam Spencer. So you figured yeah. it was going to be Georgetown. You know, they could they could use a point. But, I mean, Notre Dame, I, I thought Hub and Wirtz are back, and you have Starling and Hammond. So, so something's got to give. But. Marcus Hammond's not really a point guard. Again, Mac guy, so I've seen him play plenty. Like, very good player. Makes shots. Uh, can handle the ball. Not not a point guard, right? Like, you're not building your offense around Marcus Hammond at the high major level. For me, if you could dribble and shoot, you're a point guard. Fair enough. But like, you're 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 not you're not like being you're not gonna be a, you're gonna use him a ton. Like I think he's more of like an off ball shot maker for for a team like Notre Dame. I think he's good. I don't think he'll be great. I think he'll be like a standard kind of get. It does. It, there's nothing. There's nothing I'm like overwhelmed by. I'm like, yeah, Marcus Hammond's good. Cool. This would be like Trey. Trey Wirtz 2.0? Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Um, next on my list, Patrick Cartier. Going to the Colorado State Rammies. Beat out you know, Northern Iowa for uh, for Mr. Cartier. That's the final two. He's he's going to play center, we're saying? That's like a small ball center? That's the plan. He'll be the five. He can play some four, particularly if David Roddy were to stay in the draft. But I think the current plan is he starts at the five and bring James Morris off the bench behind him. And then they have a seven footer who redshirted this past year that is like athletic and they hope can be a, uh, like a change of pace big man. And who is this player? I honestly couldn't name him. Is it Jacob Jennison? Is he from Minnesota? I don't know. I'm just looking at my depth chart. And the only other big I have is Jacob Jennison. Let's 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 Google it. I, I do assume not know if 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 they have this like superstar seven footer waiting in the wings. I don't. He's not a superstar. I just I was told that he exists. I, I was told he's a person. And we've got the seven footer. I, I I don't recall his name. Um. But yes. Point being, Patrick Cartier will be the center for Colorado State. Uh. They still need two more. They probably need another kind of three slash four. Who gives him some insurance if David Roddy leaves and if not can potentially supplant John Tanjay in the starting starting rotation. And then they need a two guard. Um, they're involved with uh, Max Klesmith. They're involved with who else? Tyree Eady from North Dakota State. Micah Parrish. Uh, so then the next for a few. Yeah, it is Jacob Jennison, who's their seven-footer, who's sneaky athletic, according to sources. Um, but yeah, the, the the hope would be they'll be in good shape. You know, I think they'll I think they have a good team. Uh, the the freshman that they signed the other day, uh, Tavy Jackson, is supposedly very good. 
so we'll see we'll see what happens. Hopefully the Rams can uh, can get it going again. But I think the hope is just to make like marginal upgrades over Deshaun Thomas and Kendall Moore, and like add a little bit on the wing and be like, all right, we're better than we were last year. We got a six seed last year. And we'll see how they how they round out with this. The combo forward one especially is going to be interesting to see. Yes, there had been some uh, some hope that Gideon George would be that man, but uh, Gideon George returned to BYU, uh, and so that's that's that. Next up, Brandon Huntley Hatfield to Louisville. I feel like this makes a lot of sense. Chance to play right away. Um, needed some talent there. I, I haven't really flushed out the depth chart because I think there there's still a lot of work to do on that roster. But they need you some can see him and him and uh, him and Sidney Curry maybe playing a little bit together in a two big look. Um. I was never that enthralled by Huntley Hatfield at Tennessee. I kind of saw him take a lot of. He he really enjoyed the like catch it on in in the post and take a fadeaway jump shot instead of using the fact that he's like seven feet tall and like super like physically imposing to try to do something. So. It's, yeah, it's t- tough to evaluate Louisville until they get their their guard set, uh, but it seems like they should get a commitment from Devin Ree soon, who's one of the few top 100 recruits still out there. Um, and that that would literally set them three through five. Um, and they have Albert Ellis, who's their only guard right now, really. And then Kamari Lands can play some two as well. Uh, but yeah, they need you know probably two transfer guards. And then if they can scrounge up like a freshman guard, and there there there's some big fish out there. Tyrese Hunter's out there. Baylor Shireman, you know, so they have a, a few options, but they got to get moving here. Right, and the problem is, is like Louisville is not projected to be as good as like a some of these other teams that have more full, complete rosters, right? So if, if you're Tyrese Hunter and you're like, all right, I'm in the portal, you know, I I, I can go to Kansas and you know, we have three five star recruits and like returning teams, we just won the national championship, or I can go to Louisville uh, and be with like Hope Brandon, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, Hope Sidney Curry, Hope you know these guys. You know, maybe Jalen Withers figures it out. Whatever, that's that's a little bit more risky. I might as well go to Kansas, especially if the NIL money is right. So, you will see. Again, upside there, but unfinished product for Louisville. So we'll see what happens. Uh, next name is not is a name that came out of the portal. Yuri Collins. The buzz had been Tennessee since before he went in the portal. Uh, I don't know if St. Louis has a John Ruiz who. Uh, like throwing money around, but regardless, Yuri is back with the Billikens, uh, which I think is great. I mean, Yuri is a very good passer. He's somewhat limited as a scorer. Uh, I think was a great A10 player, would have been an okay high major player, but I don't think a star. And uh, now gives the St. Louis team some real juice. You know, I think it's always good when you can have some of these majors that have, you know, potential to to win a game or two in the NCAA tournament, be a potential top 25 team. And with Jordan Goodwin and Gibson Jimerson and uh, some of the guys that they have in tow, they have an opportunity to do that with Kurt Collins back. Yeah, this is another team. I I don't think that this is a top twenty-five team. Agree. They're a like a they're team. like a they're a top twenty-five team on May uh, on April first because everyone else hasn't completed the product and their product was complete. I think that they can still obviously be a tournament team. Um, I mean, bringing Collins back was enormous. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird that Tennessee seemingly took Tyreek Key over him. Different players. Tyreek Key is a scorer. 
Uri Collins is a passer. Right. So I guess we should the, talk about Tyreek Hill here next, but go ahead. Yeah. The uh, Javon Pickett ad was was big, and obviously the real key is going to be whether uh, Javante Perkins is 100% and can give them Javante Perkins production. But they have solid front court with Okoro. They got some nice glue guys. Gibson Jimerson had a nice year. Um, I think they're probably done unless they can add like a freshman point guard to play behind. Well, they, they made one of your favorite moves of the offseason last year. Do you remember? That's it? right. I, I, I was going to bring that up in, in the Duke section, but I went on a Kevin Young tangent instead. Yeah, they added DeAndre Jones. Has found a, a, a mid-major dude who wanted to use COVID year and was cool with being the backup point guard. You love you love you love these incremental additions. They, they they might win you half of a game. Not even. Yeah. Let's see what, De- what Just, did DeAndre Jones do this year for for Slu. Let's look it up. Makes makes the, the depth chart prettier, and if Yuri right. Gallons got God forbid goes goes down, you could put him in there. Yeah. He played 15 minutes a game. He shot 37 percent from three. He averaged four points per game. Perfect. He had a two to one assist to turnover ratio. Terrific player. That's all all that was needed. Kind of like what we were saying with a Keyshawn Fizel for Creighton, like. They just needed him for one game this whole year, and he actually did pretty well in the game. Did what he did what he needed to do. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, next up, this is not a incremental ad. This is a big ad, a major ad. Memphis adding Kendrick Davis. This was really rumored from the moment he went to the portal. Uh, he had his pick. Memphis still an unfinished product, so this one's harder to project out. But uh, you know, terrific player, excellent ball screen scoring guard, and the you know point guard. Uh, was in the conference already at SMU, so we kind of know what to expect. Uh, good, good, good stuff all around for for Penny. I mean, we're we're still mapping out the rotation, what it'll look like. Lester Quinones is back. Um, that will help them. It sounds like they're going to get DeAndre Williams back for another year. Whoa, really? That is the the word on the street. Breaking news. I don't know if that is that is that breaking news. I don't know. To me, it was. Because uh, isn't isn't Williams like 100 years old, but well, I guess he the is, uh, FedEx money is. Uh, he is 25. The the uh, FedEx money is probably better than Exhibit 10 money. So 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 currently their rotation would be Kendrick Davis, Elijah McCadden, Lester Quinones, DeAndre Williams, and Malcolm Dandridge with Chandler Lawson, uh, Jonathan Lawson. Is Alex Lomax still there? I don't know. He 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 can be if he wants to. Okay. Um, and then uh, and uh, Jaden Hardaway, but they they have some work to do here in the portal. Gary Parrish said that uh, on uh, on the CBS pod that Caleb Murphy visited with Kendrick Davis. Caleb Murphy would would fit. I, I enjoy I that. that one, <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, isn't he yeah, like a ball good. dominant non shooter? He's a scoring guard. And so is Kendrick Davis. And so is. I mean, it makes the Elijah McCadden move a little bit dumb, but I think what Penny did was instead of actually recruiting this year, he just like went through the box scores of the teams that they played. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, Caleb Murphy is pretty good. Sign him up. Big Kendrick big, Davis, he he was a monster. Yeah, so big American conference flair. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't get Tristan Newton. Uh, who else we got? Who who else is portaled from the American? Did, did they play Georgia Southern? They they really could have. Yeah. <laughs> This is going to be great if they did. Let's see. Memphis. This should be KJ Williams from Murray State. <laughs> he did play Murray State. 
They lost. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Georgia Southern. They did not play Georgia Southern this year. Did they play them last year? They also did not. Did they play in the year before? Nope. No cigar. Yeah, Too bad. But yeah, anyway. so if, if a Memphis can get an upgrade at the two and, and a, at least another guy in there at the five, yes. I think I like this roster more than Miami's roster and more than Providence's roster. Uh, I had to be careful there. First of all, Penny. They they have figured it out this year by the end, and this by the this, end, yeah. But it this, cost them like half the seeds. Right, but this team wouldn't have the same issue where he he has like eight starters and twelve rotation players, and like we're and we're going to try to just mush it all together. There would be a, a very distinct like top six, and then some nice younger guys in the back. Or earliest guy in McCadden, who you figure would be cool with a smaller role. Well, I hope he's cool with a smaller role because three and a half turnovers a game probably isn't going to fly. Although at Memphis, if there's ever a yeah. place where you can turn it over 20 Me- times a game. Yeah, Memphis it flies. But And then I, I'm i I'm assuming that Josh Minot is gone. That that feels... He is gone. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like maybe he'll go somewhere else if he doesn't get the feedback he wants, but I think he's going to get the feedback he wants. Uh, Texas Tech got Kevin O'Banner back. We'll just kind of add this to the, the queue. This seems nice, you know. He's a good player. And Andrew Slater said that they're going to get Devion Harmon. Who was dreadful this past year. Yeah, but that's Horrific that's player. a good ad. That's that's similar to, like, the Noah Lockta Province ad. Is like, he eligible? You, you, You you are obsessed with eligibility, man. Anything goes. Guys guys are just gonna plug and play. They didn't deny anyone last year. Everyone's gonna be able to play this year. Like they, they can't do anything. So many multiple transfer guys have already committed. Like they they, they can't un unwind this at this point. Yeah, well this is true. Um so Texas Tech has you know, we the idea is you get McCuller back. And then you have McCuller, O'Banner, some of these role players, you know, your Nadolny and uh, Miley Wilson and Bacho. Well, I love Bacho. Love Bacho. And He's then you enormous. Have talented freshman class and uh, a little portaling. You have DeMorian Williams, but they have not. Uh, I expected Texas Tech to be one of the. Uh, the NIL powers, because they were a power last year with O'Banner. That was one of the big early NILs. It was like, oh, they got O'Banner. Uh, I expected Texas Tech had some, like, really, like, I, I kind of pictured him looking like Pistol Petey, too. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a cowboy-looking dude with a mustache who was willing to pay, like, a million dollars for Pop Pop Isaacs. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I just, like, I, I assumed that they would be, like, the type that would have, like, a Norchad Omi earbag. Uh, but in reality, uh, Mr. Ruiz taking over the game. We're still waiting on on, on Fardos though, and it, that's Fardos, that's the one yeah. thing that they need, right? Is a starting center, you'd, you'd say. Yes, and if McCullough's gone, they probably need a little bit more help in the backcourt. We're come on, McCullough, come back. But I mean, even if he leaves, you, you still have Miley Wilson, you still have Jalen Tyson from Texas. True. A lot of po- positive talk on Lamar Washington. Richard Isaacs is top one hundred. So, can still to figure it out. Agree. All right, next up we have Naheem Aline, UConn. 
I don't have a lot to say here. Naheem Ali is like a is is proven to be who he is. He hasn't really changed since three years. He is a big shooter. Uh, he has not great size. He's not a great defender, but he makes shots and uh, he's a good defender. Made pro- is he? That's at least the that's at least the sell. I don't think he's that good a defender. I guess we'll see next year, but. The thing with, with with Tech is they were playing him at the three. Right. And I guess semantics, whether you want to say Jordan Hawkins is the two or the three, I don't, I don't know, but probably UConn's going to use him more as a two. Where he you could guard, also guard, guard some ones. Because he might also guard some ones because Tristan Newton's six for five. As, that is right. And UConn, they still need an, at least one, like a sixth-man guard who can come off the bench, play the one, play the two. Uh, maybe Hassan Giara, but I mean he's not really a shooter. But you probably have enough shooting without him. I don't know. That's that's a that's a tough spot for UConn because you're selling a transfer on. You will come off the bench, but we promise that we need you and we'll use you. You know. Right. Right. Tough. So. And then no, I mean the, UConn the, the, fans is... are expecting uh, Stefan Castle to reclassify too, which we'll see. Well, to close the book on Mr. Aline, um, I had him as like a top 20 transfer. That sentiment was not shared by like ESPN or Stadium. Like he was way, 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 way lower. And I was like, maybe, maybe again, maybe I'm just being too conservative. But like the number of these transfers who are like completely unproven or have never won, right? Like, like the idea for me of being like, I'll take Antonio Reeves over Naheem Aline is like preposterous. Or maybe I, Antonio Reeves is not the right move, but like uh, the, the the transfer below Antonio Reeves, like it's it's absurd to me. It's like why why would you take a unproven player who went who who went like twelve and twenty last year over a guy who was a starter for three years on two NCAA tournament teams who shot thirty seven or better from three every year who was only like a fifty percent of his shots from three, so he has a little bit of inside uh, of game driving the ball who's proven, right, like, who makes his free throws. Like, like every team in the country is like, all right, we need a shooting guard. Like, they should have been like, yeah, Naheem Aline. He's good. Good enough. I think that's context-dependent. I think that this this UConn team definitely needed a Naheem Aline. Right, any over, team that any team was like, but... we need a starting shooting guard. Like, they're not like, we need a superstar. We need a starting shooting guard. It should be like, Naheem Aline. Boom. Done. I know you you preferred him over Noah Locke. Uh no one else was on that side. Everyone saw a two-minute no, Noah Locke highlight video of him knocking down crazy threes, and everyone was in. But um, I was I was on the fence between Aline and, and Locke. But no, I love love this fit for UConn. I'm I'm surprised I haven't seen more UConn love as like a top 25 team. I guess it's gonna be determined by their preseason and people even like UConn like UConn fans were okay with it, but like. Like even like 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 people who favor UConn were like, you're you're an idiot. Like what are you doing? You know. I I guess it's going to depend whether Castle actually comes and who that sixth man's going to be, uh, this sixth man transfer. But I mean, Tristan Newton is like unanimously a top what ten player in the portal. Sonogo is a top fifty player in the country. Jackson is is really good. Hawkins is going to be on everyone's breakout list. Aline's that perfect fit in there. And your bench, 
Klingon and and Caravan. I mean, there, there's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of proven talent here. I think the only real knock you can have on them is if you don't believe in Jordan Hawkins. Right. Taking the jump, or if you think that Tristan Newton was just like an empty stats guy. Fair enough. Um, what is next? Um, we, uh, we can do Sean McNeil to Ohio State. Yes, I didn't even tweet about Sean McNeil. Um, this this was kind of surprising for me because I'm looking at this Ohio State roster. I'm just like, where's where's the point guard? Are they really going to go in with just Bruce Thornton? But McNeil is, you know, I, I guess kind of similar to Noah Locke, right? Where he's just, he can really shoot it. And if you need shooting, he's your guy. Yeah, I just, sell. That, again, another guy where I had him as a top 25 transfer. I feel like people didn't. So he's proven to be a 12-point-a-game, like, good player. I, I think probably Aline is probably a better guy for your list, right? Because he's a better defender. Or how, how'd that shake out for you? Uh, I believe I had Aline ahead of Mr. McNeil. And then for, for Ohio State, I, as I said, they really need a point guard still, but there's a team with a lot of depth. And Seth Towns has come back for year seven. Jesus Christ. Uh, so so we'll see. Is that year three or year four at Ohio State? I believe this is year three at Ohio State. Okay. I could. I guess I, that makes I, sense because he was a grad at Ohio, before, like you, and you still needed to be a grad. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as long as Justice Suing is healthy, um, they they have a nice and and obviously assuming that they get a transfer point guard to start, they would have a nice veteran six with uh, Eugene Brown who played a lot this year as like that physical glue guy multi position, uh, you know, great great defensive player. You know, that's, that's a nice veteran six, and they, they have a really under-the-radar recruiting class, only because no one cares about recruiting classes anymore. It's all about the transfer classes. But Roddy Gale, Bruce Thornton are both top 50, and Bryce Sensabaugh and Felix Akpara are not far behind. And then Kalen Etzler was top 125 in redshirted last year. So uh, this is a deep and talented roster. The question would be, High-end talent, right? Is is Zed Key your best player? Right. What, no, this is, is kind of like this is this is their rosters like last year's in the sense of like you're like wow they they have twelve guys who are like good you know like I would take every single one of these guys at a high major. Yeah, except no no Liddell uh, on paper. Right. No, no, I agree. I yeah. agree. Um, speaking of NIL, just briefly because it just came across the wire. Um. We talked about, like, what's the going rate for players. Um, so Craig Porter from Wichita State has hit the portal. It's a good defensive point guard. who averaged eight points, five rebounds, four assists, uh, and a block per game. Uh, he was in the portal, and Wichita State announced its NIL collective today and immediately connected him to a deal. Uh, and in exchange for him to get out of the portal, uh, he will receive a car, a signing bonus, and additional NIL money-making opportunities with local businesses such as the Wichita Sports Forum. So we're thinking like five figures plus a car, right? For Craig Porter, no one has any idea who Craig Porter is. Maybe in Wichita, because they love Wichita State basketball. Like in college basketball, like 
I watched no Wichita State this year. No. <laughs> like, they were so irrelevant. I Actually, I watched them the first or second game of the year when they were playing South Alabama and nearly lost to South Alabama. I was like, ah, too bad. So, so he's definitely out of the portal? He's out of the portal. He announced he's out of the portal and taking a car in exchange. Right, and I, I saw his list of interest, which I, I was kind of floored by. No, I so think he, he's good enough to play a high major. Right, but it, it was like every every team that needs their point guard was just like getting a little antsy and just kind of gave him a call. Like Purdue was on there, Seton Hall, which I don't really think needs a point guard unless they're not going to use Richmond there. But um, it, it it was a list that I was not expecting for Greg Porter. When Craig Porter went, went into the portal, I was like, this this guy's not going to find a better situation than uh, Wichita. Like he's he's just going to come out of the portal. And then I saw that list, and I was like, oh, my God. But back he goes, and Wichita still needs a starting three and a starting two. And I think they're probably going to get Gus Okafor soon. Which yeah, They've got a weird portal class with James Rojas, Quincy Ballard, Xavier Bell. Not loving a lot of these. Yeah, this is like a middle-of-the-pack American team, which means you're like a... At best. Well, middle-of-the-pack American means that you're hanging on to the top 100 with they were they were middle of the pack with dexter dennis travis or tyson etn and morris udese and craig porter now it's like all right craig porter's the best player that is true i guess they also won the league with that core the year before so it's good gonna be who who they get to start the two and the three saw that year was like the providence of this year so i'll get lost (laughs) lucky very lucky um i want to hit baylor they took three this week and I kind of think that gets Galen Bridges. Sure. Sign Taylor him up. Loner, I fell out of my chair. He, he just loves like kooky religious schools. Yeah. Like, BYU. Let's go to Baylor. Because Matthew Meyer can still come back. I'm like, where is Matthew Meyer going? And even if Meyer leaves, you've signed up to be the backup power forward. So like, Jalen Bridges got like was like pretty clear like everyone was willing to take Jalen Bridges because Jalen Bridges is six seven can guard like three positions and 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 is like proven to be a useful enough like player but I think Jalen Bridges' list misleads people that like Jalen Bridges is some superstar Jalen Bridges on like the second worst team in the Big Twelve this year averaged eight points five rebounds and shot forty three percent from the field I made this exact point on the Providence message board. Are you reading my posts? I'm not reading your posts. I, I didn't even know you posted on the private board. Everyone's like, why aren't we going after a six-seven three-point shooter who's athletic? Like, well, find one for me, man. And I was like, to to give you a a sense of the market, Jalen Bridges, and I just did the exact thing that you did where he's on a bad team, this, that. His list was Baylor, Michigan State, and Alabama. Like, these guys aren't out there. <laughs> right. So Jalen Bridges is fine. Like whatever, like, A, he may be able to play some small ball bigs, which is important because Jonathan Chamochacha's was injury is, like, so severe that, you know, maybe there's concern he's not back. Right? Like, yeah. getting a small ball five, cool. You're going to get Flo Tamba back. You're, theor- you're, you're hoping you're going to get, right? Like, Baylor could still be fine if, you know, they go through this and they're like, all right, we've got, uh, you know, Akinjo back for a COVID year. We've got uh, the uh, Flagler back. We've got like 
um, like like if they get all their their those two guys back, right? They're gonna lose Brown and they're gonna lose Sohan. But they get hit those two and Meyer back, and it's the guy we plug in Jalen Bridges. Tomba starts the five, and we have like Keontae George. We're in good shape, right? Like Keontae's great. I mean, Keontae's gonna start. Um, Keontae's top five recruit. But I kind of like 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 what like what happens if Adam Flagler leaves? You know, like what happens if Akinjo leaves? Well, well, I think Akinjo is probably leaving, right? I don't know. I I mean, they they have a ton of guys right now. And and, they still have Cryer if he gets healthy. It's it's very confusing, right? Because all these takes, like, theoretically might not play, which is, I I think, the only saving grace. But it's like, Caleb Lohner was terrible this year. Like, Caleb Lohner was actively detrimental to BYU. It was really, really bad. And again, maybe he was was good enough as a freshman that maybe you buy it and he was a decent recruit. But, like, okay. And then Dantuan Grimes from Tilgore. Like, I, I I know, like, Goodman put out, like, the quote, like, oh, oh yeah, this is what he is, whatever. That's, I'm sure, directly from the Baylor staff. I got a text from a Sunbelt assistant who had, you know, watched him play multiple times. And he was like, let me see if I can find the uh, – find if I can see if I can find the text. Quote, this is an awful signing. I watched Kilgore a bunch. I think he's a high Sunbelt, low American player. He's been playing at South Florida or Georgia State, and he's not like some of the dudes Georgia State has had. He's not DeMarcus Simons. I think he can be on the, the roster, but I don't think he's close to playing in the rotation. Well, that's that's kind of just what they needed, right? Was okay. We have Cryer. We might have. But don't Kendall. they already have that with Dale Bonner? Isn't Can, Dale Bonner already the like guy who stinks that just is out there? I mean, he gets roasted every time he's on the floor by Fran Fraschilla. Can he play point guard though? I don't know. He did at West Liberty. But yeah, this also I I kind of wanted to kind of turn this into another Twitter discussion that that we had um, when Legend Jeter yes. hit the portal, and I, I I was surprised. I thought he was gonna at least stick it down to the year, because uh, then that's that's back to back years at Providence had a three star freshman. No, th- this is this is a this is a good transition, right? Yeah, so, because go on. Three-star freshman comes in, not going to play. So instead of doing the thing where you play like 10 games in 50 minutes the whole year, you just sit out the whole year and you redshirt and you get that extra year and we'll see if you're a developmental piece. Well, those guys everywhere, right, are just leaving. So I was like, what do you do with 11 to 13? And I think it's easy to be like, well, the player should stick it out and develop. Well, you know, if Legend Jeter... Legend Jeter was not going to play next year, most likely, unless he was a big surprise, right? Correct. We, we just went over Providence as like 10, 10 pretty good players. So then you project the lineup the next year, right? Well, Bryce Hopkins is only a year ahead of him. So Jeter would only start, presumably, as a redshirt senior if all went to plan. And he probably would only play good minutes as like a redshirt junior. So you can sit basically three years to play two. Or you can just say, you know what, let me go in the portal. I'll go to Western Michigan, and if I'm really good there, I can always go back to the high major level for my last year or something. Or, 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 or I'm, I'm just a basketball player. I just want to play basketball. I don't want to sit out anymore. Okay, that, that's fine. That's, that's, it's, it's easy to frame that on the player. But with the no sit-out transfer rule, there's also this like obligation from the coach to upgrade if he can, right? So, like, in a normal year, 
without the sit-out transfer, like in 2016, Scott Drew's probably like, you know what, we we have Jordan Turner, we have Zach Loveday as juniors. I think that they can hold down the fort as the backup power forward. But now it's like, you know what, they haven't done it yet. I'm not sure that they will be able to play the 10 minutes a game of backup power forward. So let me go add Caleb Lohner, who's more than happy to come play. So, so I think it's a couple of things, right? I think you're you're 100% correct that um, there's like an impatience level, right? And there's an ability to just be, all right, I might as well. Like, both I might sides. as well fill the spot, yeah. right? Like, there's no reason. And I was having this conversation with Josh because Josh and Bala just went in the portal. And, and so I was like, oh, he failed at the high major level. Why would you take him again at the high major? So, because 20 years ago, Josh and Bala would have went to Texas Tech, played, you know, five minutes a game as a freshman. And people have been like, all right. And then next year he would have played 10 and then his junior year would have played 20. And then as a senior, he would have started, right? Like, or he would have played 20 minutes. I mean, like he would have been a rotation player eventually. Um, but instead he like played five minutes and he's like, all right, like, I don't know that I'm going to play next year. So I'm going to leave. He goes to Buffalo. He's a three-year starter. And now he has an extra year. He's like, all right, I'm going to go portal. And people are like, oh, well, you can't play high major. Like, well, of course you can play high major. Like, why can't he play high major? But we don't know that, right? Like there's, there, there's this challenge. So you're, you're hundred percent correct. Like, you might as well take those guys. And for the players, you might as well go play. But let's trickle this down a step further. In the in the age of the sit-out transfer, you could fill the roster spots 11 through 13, especially like late in the like – like circa 2015. You could take two transfers, and it would fill those roster spots. You know, 2017. All right, you know, we've got, we've got our starting lineup set. We've got some young players all right, let's take two sit-out transfers who can replace guys, right? I mean, Nevada, under Moss, essentially built on that model, right? Like, all right, we've got, like, our seven-man rotation. We've got a couple of freshmen. And then we've got, like, four guys sitting out. And those guys are going to come in next year and play because those, you know, our, our current transfers are, are all seniors. Now, no one wants to sit, right? A freshman comes in. If he's redshirted, he's going to transfer. Because he's like, why I, I didn't play this year. Why am I ever going to play again, right? If you bring in a a transfer, no transfer in, in the recruiting process. You're like, oh, yeah, I really want to be the 10th man, you know? Like, no kid is committing to that. Right. Uh, unless Duke, you're DeAndre Jones. You can Jones. get Kale Catchings to do that. but Right, you can get Kale Catchings, yeah. but like, very few can can do that. Especially yes. anyone good, right? Anyone, anyone legit. So you have no, like, easy way of filling these 11 through 13 spots. Other than by, like, recruiting high school players selling them on a vision of them becoming good players and then hoping that they don't leave, exactly. hoping that they stick it out. But you're investing a lot of time in recruiting these players, right? So like Corey Floyd, right? Like Corey Floyd, like, like Dan Hurley probably spent dozens of hours, you know, following Corey Floyd to go watch team final play, going to his house for an, a, you know, a, a visit, doing an official visit at UConn. Uh, you know, like he spent, you know, 20 hours, 50 hours recruiting Corey Floyd, text, phone calls, whatever, over multiple months, just for him to like sit on the bench for a year and then transfer somewhere else. But then to replace Corey Floyd, he goes into the portal and like in two weeks, like blows up Nahima Lean until Nahima Lean commits, right? Same thing at Providence, right? All right, Legend Jeters are, you know, backup big man, uh, you know, for the future. Um, we invest money months recruiting him. He eventually decides he will, you know, he eventually decides he'll come to province. He sits out one year and then, all right, I'm going to replace him. We, we, we could do better than him. Let's spend a week and a half recruiting Clifton Moore 
and uh, Ed Croswell says that Cooley's cool, so Clifton Moore comes, and that's that, right? Like, it, it's, it's a waste of resources to recruit these high school players that aren't going to play right away. But also, it's a waste to not fill the scholarship spots, right? Exactly. Like, only having 10 is not a good thing. Like, it's, 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 it's inefficient. So what, do you, what the hell do you do? Right. I, I, I guess the hope is that you just recruit these kids. You hope they stay and whatever you just you fill you backfill with the portal. Um, but like I, 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 I really have no answers. Right. It's it's just inefficient, you know. And of course, the other concern, right, is you better be taking those 11, 13, better be good culture kids. You can't afford, you know, if you're, you know, Ed Cooley, who, who, who is very obviously a culture oriented coach. You can't afford to take Legend Cheater and Rafael Castro and Alan Breed and Jaden Pierre and have them be nine through 13 and all of them just be like on the bench, like brooding the whole time and like pissed off and like ruin the team chemistry. It's a mess. Right. Because it also, when we were so used to the sit out transfer system, like it was, it was easy for us and it was easy for coaches to, to kind of plan that out. And now that there's no sit out transfers, right? Because like, perfect example, the last year of the sit-out transfer, Providence had two sit-out transfers. Do, do you remember remember who they were? The ones who actually sat out or the ones that you recruited to be sit-outs and then weren't sit-outs? No, no. So the the nineteen twenty season, the year that Corona canceled the NCAA tournament. He said they sat out Jared Bynum and... Uh... And uh, Noah Horkler. Yes. That team... Right, had Luan Pipkins, David Duke, Malik White, AJ Reeves, Alpha Diallo, Greg Gant, Nate Watson, and Khalif Young. Right, so Noah Horkler and Jared Bynum would never sign up to play for that team if they were signing up for that team. And not right, even though even though Jared Bynum had three years left, and you could you know come in and play the next year behind Luan Pipkins. Right, he would never sign up to do that, and that obviously helps. Everyone involved because you get Jared Bynum to play in his fifth year where he's a better player than his fourth year. He doesn't leave after being the backup point guard for a year. Um, but like as as you said, now with the no sit out, it's basically impossible to fill 11 to 13. It just becomes a revolving door. You right. It's, gi- it's not impossible to fill them. There's always people who want the spots. Like, like freshmen will always want to play at Providence. Right. Freshmen will always want to play at UConn. But it's still just stupid. You know, it's like, right. like look at look at Jair Davis. Right, he redshirts as a freshman. He goes to Delaware. He's a freshman of the year in the conference. I bet if Jair Davis went in the portal today, I bet he could go to a high major. Probably. So, like, the it's it, it's a weird game for the prospect for these three star prospects too, because three star prospects are high major players. It's just how like are are they willing to wait long enough to get yeah. that opportunity? Right, no, you're 100 percent right. Like, and, and again, do you, do you start to see people who are willing to right, who like, are willing how, how, to go lower? Like, like remember exactly. the whole like Anthony Latina thing where he was like, oh, yeah, we're gonna recruit kids to Sacred Heart by saying that they're gonna come in, they're gonna play right away, they're gonna put up numbers, and then they're gonna transfer up like Kane Broom and Quincy Knight. You know, is there? And I talked to a mid-major head coach about this this weekend who said, yeah, like we're we're not like openly being like, Oh yeah, like you should come leave. But like, you know, we, we can sell the fact that like our guys have moved up to high majors and been successful. And 
if you want that high major opportunity, you're better off trying it as a junior than you are sitting out as a freshman and then transferring down to us, right? That's, that's the sell of the freshman. Right. And of course, the sell of the transfer is you should come down and play for us because we produce all these high major players, right? Like, yeah. right. And it, it, it's weird because the, these guys who are three stars, they can play at the high major level. They can easily get on a high major team. Right. But if it seems like the better option for them, like for Legend Jeter, is you know maybe not go mid major, not go high major. You you have to find a spot in the middle, right? Like like Ryan Conway was like a top I think 150 recruit goes to Seton Hall red shirts, transfers down to Towson. Where like maybe if he chose like URI, at a right. that's a higher level in Towson, you can still make the NCAA tournament. You're still on TV some, um and 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 you'll play. So it's this weird balancing act now for the three stars. Where do you want to? Like like Ryan Conway could have gone to Towson out of high school, maybe even start right away. He could go to URI and maybe be a seventh man right away, or he goes to Seton Hall and he's number twelve and getting redshirted. Right, it makes no your your best path in many ways. Your best path to playing high major basketball is to not start at the high major. Right, right, and like pe- because people- because again, even even if you're not good enough, right? Like if you go to you know if you go to Siena. Right. If you're not not, say not, you know, not not a top 150 kid, but if you're if you're 250 in the rankings, right, you're uh, you know, you're that leader. Carpenter. You're, yeah. Yeah. Like, whatever. You know, you're, you're, you're a well-regarded recruit. You go to Siena. If you, you know, you're you're going to especially if they can sell minutes, it's like, all right, you come in, you play right away. You have two years there. You maybe three. Right. And, and then there's a proven track record. These guys are moving up. Right. Like like Siena's actually had a, like, an unbelievable track record recently. Most of it because coaching changes, right? But like, they brought a high major kid down in Elijah Burns that he became like all all conference player and then went to you know make money in Europe. Anthony Gaines, same thing, high major player coming down, money in Europe. Uh, once his ACL heals. Um, Jalen Pickett, three year starter, Penn State now is a starter at Penn State and a fringe all league guy in the Big Ten. Don Carey, uh, transfer, you know, starter at Siena becomes a starter at Georgetown. Colby Rogers is in the portal. He's going to go to um, you know, Cal or Temple, I believe, are his visits. Uh, so another high major, right? Like, like it's 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 the model. You know, Jordan King transferred mid major to mid major to, to to the SoCon, so up a, le- a little bit. Uh, you know, he he's an all conference player in the SoCon. I mean, this this is where you want to be. And you know, Providence has has two open spots right now in both group chat and on, on on the message boards. You know, popular topic is what to do with. With with the open scholarships, and, you know, can we can we get a starting small forward? Like, we, no, we, we really we need we really that. we need a six seven athletic kid who can shoot it, but also handle the ball. Yeah, not gonna happen. We, I my my opinion is for the twelfth spot, go out and just try to find another like legend Jeter type recruit, redshirt him and hope he stays. And if by if for some reason we have massive injuries in the front court. You can break the red shirt and play him. And I'm sure he'll be fine with that. Um, yeah. You just but, take a late stock rise. You take a Jair Davis and you're just like, all right. Yeah. Well. Like I, 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 I still firmly believe it's better to take the three star for your 11 and 12 and 13 or, or maybe it's 11 and 12 right. red shirt him and see what happens. Then to just keep them open. You know, is it better for the three star? Is it better for the three star though? Depends how badly he wants to play high major basketball. Um, 
I think those are all the like big moves. Do you have other ones you want to hit on? Because I didn't tweet all of them. So let's hit um, a couple of other things. I, w- I will scroll through my depth charts, but Northwestern is trying to keep the late stock riser alive. Oh, yeah. Nick Martinelli. This was this was a hell of a take. How about the the, the, the significant changes needed to Northwestern basketball appear to be letting Brian McIntosh go on the road and recruit and uh, taking a late stock riser whose other offers were like Elon and Illinois State uh, and whose brother was a walk on at Northwestern for a year. And then he transferred to St. Thomas to be a starter scholarship player. Um, so I don't think he's changing the outcomes. He also is in the center. Northwestern needs a center. Is uh, the Pete, Pete Nance coming back? He kept his. Mm, I think it's more likely if he doesn't go pro that he goes portal than he returns to Northwestern. Ooh, that's that's a big name. But so he better get in the portal in the next three days. Yeah, he has. Days, <laughs> or, or, or else he'll be headed to VCU to be their power forward. Um, speaking of VCU, they got Brandon Johns. Yeah, that's a that's a gross one. Sure, sure, he'll be fine there. And no, no, there, there. Maybe this is mean, but I, I think I think Mike Rhodes is like really like zero feel in the portal. And like the take of Brandon Johns is like the latest example of this, where it's like he t- he takes these like passable high major players, like oh well they're coming down a level, like they should be better. But there are some players who are, there are some high major players who look who who are just like not quite good enough to play high major because they're like stuck behind talent and. You know they look, but they look okay on the floor because you know, but 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 you know they're just not quite there. And there are some high major players who look better because they're on a high major roster. And if you like took them out of the context, you're like, all right, like what do I want? Like like what what is what is the selling point for Brandon Johns? Is he had a great NCAA tournament when Isaiah Livers got hurt? Okay, that's that's like, it. But like, uh, but like from like a like an actual player standpoint, like he has what, horrible what's touch. Right, he has no 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 touch. He's a bad defender. He can't move his feet. He's not he a post scorer. Though. Yeah. Theoretically, he should be able to stretch the floor, right? But like, like, how does he make any sense for VCU? And it's the same thing with Sahonis last year, and the same Jimmy thing Nichols. with Jimmy Nichols. And I <laughs> fell for it. I'm not falling for it again. Zeb Jackson's a terrible take. Brandon Johnson's a terrible take. I, I did not fall for Jimmy Nichols. I was on that from, from the start. Yes. Um, sorry, VCU. Sorry, sorry, Brandon Johnson. I know that was, that was unnecessarily mean to Brandon Johnson. No offense. How about uh? Th- I I'm a fan I think of this of this take as a high upside swing for LSU. Derek Fontaine. I mean LSU has like a gazillion scholarships, so yeah, why not? He's big. I didn't. I honestly athletic. had no idea that that happened. So did did not put it together as expected, but he was invited to U19 tryouts. Certainly worth a swing there. Right. You have all these scholarships. You might as well. I'm still scrolling. Oh, uh, Sir Jabari Rice to Texas. Nice bench piece. I I like this. This this to me is an indicator of Chris Beard kind of figuring it out a little bit and realizing he doesn't just need to collect talent. Right. Yeah. If like, uh, take a kid who, who who has been coached, who knows how to guard, who can score, and who can make shots. Boom. Love it. Fantastic. As long as he's willing to come off the bench, terrific. And Marcus Carr, Timmy Allen, Bishop, all back. Uh, we don't know about Which Andrew is weird, Jones given yet. Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, the culture seemed terrible, you know. Yeah, once once they lost some people and the roles became more defined, uh, they were pretty good down the stretch, and they're adding 
two of the best freshmen in the country, Dylan Mitchell and, and Art Arturio Morris. Fr- front court should be solid. They got a very good point guard in Marcus Carr, who's n- n- not a transfer point guard anymore. Um, so he should be ready to go. Won't have the transfer point guard curse. And I think Texas is probably top 25. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely top 25. What else we got? What else we got? I, I'm still... Oh, uh, Arizona added an international uh, wing player. No idea about him. He's, uh, 24-7 is famous for whenever these guys commit. They're just like, oh, you never heard of him, but guess what? He, he's a four-star this whole time. Um, they did not give any stars to this guy, so he's completely... They under the radar. Have, Arizona and Tommy Lloyd would not have signed him if Jonathan Gavoni didn't like him. So, yeah. uh, Tyrone Baker to Dayton. Yeah, this is this is. There's a little bit of Richard Amay fuel uh, energy to this. He was still there. He's still there. But I will say this. And again, this this kind of goes back to our portal versus high school, right? Like, if you take a kid who's basically like didn't play as a freshman. If you were willing to take him the previous year, you might as well take him now, you know? Yeah. Especially because they have a rotation set. He doesn't have to play a ton this coming year, and then you lose to Ron Holmes, two and done. And all of a sudden, uh, maybe maybe uh, Mr. Baker is the starting center. So I, I'm okay with it. It's not quite Richard Mayfuel. St. Bonaventure's changing out some pieces with a little draft insurance or, or pro insurance. I got Kyrell Luke, who was a pretty good recruit, who went to Holy Cross to play a lot, and now he gets to move up to Bonaventure. Um, which They also signed Moses Flowers. And Daryl Banks. So yeah, they've, they've kind of refreshed the backcourt. Knowing uh, Mark Schmidt, not all of them will play. Uh, and unless one of unless them will the whole play starting lineup next spring, like Quadri Adams. So. They will play if the starting lineup leaves. but uh, Right. I think at least you're probably getting a couple back, right? If they don't get a couple back, they're going to be dreadful. But. Um. Ben in the portal. Yeah. Uh, ben Vanderplas to Virginia. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, weird, very weird. Back in my day, when you had a top 50 recruit who was a stretch four, you played him. You didn't this go is, to transfer. This is exactly your 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 conversation. It's very anti Tony Bennett, I must say. Well, it's like, exactly your conversation of like, well, it's out there, so it might as well, right? Like, yeah, like, Ben Vanderplas like, was gettable for Virginia, so it's like, all right, we might as well. At least like. I can understand, like, Scott Drew, like, not quite ready to trust Jordan Turner or Zach Loveday to play 10 minutes a game because they haven't done it before. I mean, Isaac Trout was a top 50 recruit, you know? I like, like Isaac Trout, too. Yeah, like, what, like, what are we doing here? But good good get, I guess. Backup, yeah, backup big man. Uh, they have good, good pieces. I don't know if they're talented enough still, but uh, they run it back, so. Um... Davidson added David Skogman from Buffalo to presumably replace Brakovich, who's probably gone. Uh, yeah, Mr. Mr. Skogman was was popular. Uh, people like him. He's very solid. Uh, he was a he, solid his, recruit, if memory serves. Yes, and his numbers this past season at Buffalo are under. Uh, they're, 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 they they don't quite represent his value because he was much better down the stretch. He averaged eight and six, um, but down the stretch. So let's just yeah like so so from January 5th on so the final two months of the season, uh Mr. Uh, Mr. Skogman, he averaged uh we're waiting for it to load we're waiting for it to load, he averaged 10 points eight rebounds and shot 43% from three, so 
might be like a sneaky, uh, sneaky addition. The Waukesha, Wisconsin native. Uh, seems like a seems like a fine, fine get to me. Davidson really kind of figuring out the portal. This is a weird take here. I will, I will. Uh, before I do this, I, I just must note that as I was searching for David Skogman in a sports reference, I came up with an absolute transfer portal legend. Just briefly, David Scara. That's right. What a legend. Clemson from Valpo, uh, right? Yes. Yeah, and he only averaged six points a game and transferred from Valpo to, to Clemson. He was like a bad get, the original bad get, and then he became a starter as a senior. Sat out of here. Oh, very good. Here, Continue on. What's your here's weird? a bad get. I don't understand this at all. Rob Finnessy of Cincinnati. I'm just glad he didn't go to Butler. At, at least Butler, Butler, fan, the Butler, fans deserve, Butler fans deserve to have a point guard who, who can make a shot. Absolutely. Uh, but, like, is, is, is Mike Adams was leaving or something? Like, like isn't Mike Adams was better than Rob Finnessy? And they're similar players? I don't. I don't get this for either party. I, don't. I think. I think the only. I guess the only way I would say it is this. It is quite possible that Wes Miller didn't enjoy coaching a lot of the players that he didn't recruit, and uh, would like to change that. Well, Mike Saunders is off to Utah. Um, Mr. Adams Woods should uh, should portal late and go to Siena. Yeah, that'd be a good fit. That's been rumored every single off season for the last four years. Same with Syracuse Mike too. Was eventually going to go to Siena. Because our Syracuse correspondent Patrick Wong, whenever he sees it, like dies a little inside. Like we can't get a better point guard than Mike Adams Woods. But um, uh, Minnesota hasn't struck yet, but it feels like they're going to get Josiah Strong to be their two guard after Parker Stewart is off to well back to Tennessee Martin. Hasn't happened yet, but that's that's another underwhelming Minnesota get, but. I have I I know people who do like uh, Josiah Strong, so. But right now he's like in like the Nevada mix. It sounds like so maybe uh maybe a slight upgrade. Let's say that their starting lineup right is Taylon Cooper, Josiah Strong, Jamison Battle, Parker Fox, and Dawson Garcia. It's not a tournament team, is it? I don't think I so. I don't think so unless Dawson Garcia is really good. Even so, I mean. There, there are a lot of good teams out there with the portal. It's, it's very easy to make a, make a right, good you, team. You look at it in a vacuum and like, all right, grad transfer point guard, steady, you know, this works. We were talking earlier about what if Georgetown got that that group, where would you rank them? I mean, I, in, in the Big East alone, I'm pretty certain that Villanova, Creighton, UConn, Providence, Xavier, and Marquette will all have, like, good, solid tournament teams. And that's six teams right there. St. John's is going to have a ton of talent. Butler, we'll see who they add, but they could be pretty talented. Again, Georgetown could be pretty talented. Um, and that leaves DePaul, who has like Zion Cruz and Jalen Terry. I mean, they're probably last place, but there they're are still good players there. Um, and then Seton Hall, we'll see how their roster turns out. But that that Minnesota roster would be like ninth or 10th in the Big East. And the Big Ten could be better than the Big East. Yeah, we we don't know. So um, it's very easy to build a talented roster in the portal age. Yes, this is true. Or like good enough, like to talk yourself into roster. Absolutely. Like Iowa State last year and in Miami, and that 
know, Charlie Moore and Isaiah Brockington saving the day. We, we, we would never have expected that. Um, Javon Quinterly back to Alabama. Healthy or not, I don't know, but they have a ton of good players again. So. Yeah, no, no complaints. This is fine. Uh, Mississippi State's whole roster is gone pretty much, except for their front court and Deshaun Davis at point guard. Um, Which I think went, makes sense because a lot of the guys don't feel like very Jans type guys. Kind of interesting that uh, Jabari Rice didn't follow him, but he's in a better spot at Texas anyway. Yes. Um, I'm I'm curious to see where Rocket Watts goes. Me too. I. I I have no pulse on that. I'm sure Creighton's not going to be interested like they were last time. Um, UNLV is loading up on a lot of very good defensive players. Right? The defensive they, wing. Yeah, they love the defensive wing. They added Harkless from Oklahoma, who's probably their best player. Or He's an excellent player. Terrific player. They added Luis Rodriguez, who was on Ole Miss, played a ton Another of minutes. defensive player. As their glue guy. Parquet is a good defensive player. Um, they have Isaiah Isaiah Cottrell from West Virginia visiting. He's a uh, scorer, I think. Yeah, uh, he's not, a, he's Kevin Kruger. Ke- Kevin Kruger is an excellent portaler. Yeah, this whole team has been portaled pretty much, except for one or two guys. And he portaled well last year, and I kind of gave all the credit to Carlin Hartman, but Carlin Hartman's gone. So Kevin Kruger must be just a monster portaler. But he doesn't. That it, it's like. It's like Paul Weir esque without the like well, incoming the chemistry issue, you know. It's like none of these guys really fit together. They're just like a, a assembly of dudes, and we like hope it works. But but there's why no would, flash, like why would right? you record Luis Rodriguez and, and Elijah Harkless and Eli Parquet? Like there's no reason to have all three. No. But all these guys played at the high major level. They played a lot of minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. And they, they no, were not. They're all good gets in a vacuum. Yeah, they, they were not highly recruited, right? Where 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 Paul Paul Weir was the shiny object, the Jaquan right. Lyle, Carlton Bragg, <laughs> um, something that they could like JJ sell Paul to the Bell. Albuquerque. He needed the Albuquerque uh, the Albuquerque Journal to write out nice articles about it. So, um, Kansas State, Cameron Carter and Jarrell Colbert, they're really trying to yeah. build slow. They, they only have five it, guys right now. They're doing it. They're doing it smart. They're doing it smart. Where they're taking they're taking all these guys and they're getting they're getting no expectations for next year. And if they all suck, you can just run them off and get good players. But if not, it's like all right. Well, I mean, it, that's kind of what Ben Johnson did, except didn't really actualize it. I mean, Jay, I, I would I, Jerome Tang should be able to get some dudes. Instead, he's just taking Louis, former guys from the state of Louisiana who are uh, former elite recruits that didn't pan out, or not even elite, like former good recruits that didn't pan out. Antoine Davis said Kansas State was his best visit yet. Oof. Well, like I said, Jerome Tang gets a ice desk in us. NC State added Jack Clark from LaSalle. That makes two high major players from LaSalle. Uh, and Jarkel Joyner from Ole Miss. Very underwhelming. But again, it's like, all right, you, you, you should never have no hope. Like, I think these guys border on no hope, but like... Well, yeah. they, they are in a real tough spot because... Turquavian Smith and Darian Sebrin are both like probably gone, but maybe not. Right. So, so Jeremy Wu texted me the other day. He was like, "Holy shit, Turquavian Smith is good." And I was like, "Yeah." 
That's good to know. I assumed he was back, but apparently he's good. So I don't know if that means he's going to stay in. And Jericho Hellams went to Portsmouth, so he could be gone. He's also at the uh, Tampa Bay Pro Combine. So he's I gone. saw Horkler's there, my guy. Your boy. Um, but yeah, like, Breon Pass was like a, a three-star guy who's, who's sticking around, so he, maybe he could be a nice test case for us. Yes, uh, the sit out, the, the, the three-star hang in, let's go, man. Uh, Greg, Greg Gant was hurt last year, he didn't play. I uh, wouldn't expect too much there. I guess... I mean, Ernest Ross was a top 50 recruit who played when he was healthy. Uh, year two, starting center, maybe. We'll see. Uh, I, I saw that they're in the mix for Dusan Mahorovic, who got Mahorchich. Mahorchich, who got kicked out of Utah. He he was between, I guess, NC State and Arizona State. And Arizona he was State one of those guys spot. last year who was like, why is his list this long? And then yeah. it was proved correct that we were not like idiots. We were like, okay, we were, no. we, we knew who we were talking about. Uh, Georgia added Matthew Alexander Moncrief and Juice Wayne Holt. Two kind of high upside. It seems like some of these high majors are just being like, all right, like right, let's take these guys that have two, three years left who were high major recruits that we liked out of high school and just like, you know, redemption project, especially if they're not like re- required to start. Right. And, and, and I think Moncrief starts. Uh, Holt, I think, will probably Theoretically, because they need front court, yeah. yeah. They wanted Omar Payne, couldn't get him. John Camden to Virginia Tech. He was like a very Virginia Tech-y player. Yeah, I don't think he's going to start. I think he definitely doesn't start. I think he probably should play. Um, yeah, he, he was top 150, good size. He can shoot it. Vir- Virginia Tech... It's a very interesting team. Aluma's probably gone. I know that, that they're trying to get Efton Reed. Um, but I think your mileage on Virginia Tech is going to be between the Darius Maddox breakout and your thoughts on Sean Padula. I think this is like a fringe tournament team right now. But People are big Padula fans. He was a decent recruit. He also uh, was better than Storm Murphy for some of the year. Selden Miguel to South Florida. Who cares? That's a... You're, then, you're, you're off the South Florida random collection of transfers fan wagon? I was in on them to, like, see how you it all played see out. which guys play. But I never checked in on it. I yeah. never watched a single game. So I'm I'm a pretty big fraud in that regards. Um, Connor, Connor McCaffrey back for year six with Iowa? I think it was year six. Yeah. I think it is, too. Because he, um, he's my age, and I'm a year out of college, so... Tyreek Key to Tennessee. We briefly touched on that, but I think he's a very good pop. player. Very good player. Think he and Viscovi start in the backcourt? Uh, maybe Ziggler. Maybe go three guard. And then James at the four. Yep, which is what they did last year, a fair amount. Who, who do you have winning the the center battle then? Plopchich, Adu, or Robinson Nakamwa? I'm gonna go with uh, Olivier. Mr. Kamala. People He'll play love the most it. minutes, but uh, Plavsic will start. People loved a, a Jonas Adu coming out of high school. He like was a, he Very exploded. skinny legs. He, he he didn't look as athletic as he did in the high school mixtapes, and he didn't shoot the ball like he did in high school. But maybe that's a product of being the tenth man. Um, Brevin Galloway to Clemson. I mean, I, 
I guess it's a nice bench piece. Cool. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? But you really need a starting point guard. And you, t- time's a ticking. Um, oh, oh, what are your thoughts on Saquon Singleton to George Mason? I was a little bit, uh, a little underwhelmed. I mean, they're still working. I actually, let me rephrase. I was underwhelmed if this is all they're going to do. I don't mind it. I think I always thought he was like a unique kind of useful player. Six foot six defends, can handle the ball. Just can't really shoot. Um, I think as long as they get a point guard, like I know they're involved with like Rudy Williams they're involved with who is the other one that went in. They're involved with some point guards. Yeah. If they get a point guard and then they can go like point guard, Devon Cooper, Saquon or Saquon off the bench, uh, ticket gains, Josh Aduro, Justin Fernandez. Like that's a good unit. My guess uh, is Singleton supposed to be the defensive one, two, three backup where you get a point guard, you get, uh, Jess Fernandez and D- D- Davon Cooper starting one and two, and go, or two and three, and go from there. They have a Victor Bailey too. Yes. Ooh. Also, uh, Hyun Jung Lee is officially out at Davidson. Pro. Do we? Because guys can can sign with agents and still come back. So. Yes, but his. It, let me read you his the last two paragraphs of his statement. After some serious thoughts into the next chapter of my basketball career, I've decided to turn pro and will be entering the NBA draft this June. I will be hiring an agent and management company, which I'd like to announce soon. I don't know what will happen to me and where I will be the next few months, but I'm training very hard every day to get better and stronger. I'm so excited about the challenges and opportunities about I had to pursue my dream of playing the NBA. I don't know that. That, that feels like I'm gone. That's not any different guys who say they're gone and then when, when they get their feedback they're like wait a second I'm, I'm coming back but we'll have to wait until June 1st right uh, for all that yes indeed so uh, one thing I thought was funny was uh, Amari Davis and John Coleman hit the portal for Missouri yes. and they were like please respect my decision like not, there's not a single Missouri fan out there that gives a shit that you guys are leaving <laughs> sorry <laughs> I mean Jaron Coleman's better than like most of the guys that they signed New new is new new feels better. Oh, uh, I know as a fan, sure, but Jared is better than Nick Honor, you think? Or or Sean East? He's better than Sean East. He's better than Demoy Hodge. And eh, maybe not better than eh, You were I a huge Demoy Hodge guy, weren't you? Coming I in. I was at a Juco, yeah. But I think he's as good as Jamoy Demoy Hodge. I think he's better than Trey Gomillion. Like they've they've assembled a very uh a very Missouri Valley roster. So what are your thoughts on these Citadel guys, Roach and and Hayden Brown? Like are they is that just system based? Are they actually gonna be good? So Roach is like a monster of a shooter. Like he is a elite, 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 like off of screen screens guy. Like someone's described to me as like a like 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 a college Duncan Robinson type and they loved him. They couldn't get their head coach to pull the trigger on him. Uh, and Richmond does. Uh, so he's good. Uh, I don't know that he'll be like a superstar there, but he'll be a good, like Tyler, he could like, help replace Tyler Burton. Tyler Burton stays in the draft, but I think he's probably leaning towards doing. Um, and then Hayden Brown is a little bit more system driven. He's like an undersized. He was like an undersized center 
like a, like a four or five. And he's not really going to really do that in South, South Carolina. Um, he'll be like a three, four. He doesn't really space it, but he's big as shit. Uh, like pervert, you know, like physically uh, and really rebounds. So uh, Central Florida made a couple nice moves around the margins. I mean, Michael Durr and Brandon Suggs better better than what they had. Uh, sure. I mean, if if you're trying to believe in Central Florida, it's all going to be on a, a, a Darius Johnson breakout. I don't remember. Uh... A, I don't think I watched any Central Florida this year. B, I don't remember where Michael Durr was before. Was he South Florida? It, it, he, he was Indiana, and then before that it was South no, Florida. No, no, that's what I meant. I knew he was in Indiana. Yeah. I'm saying where was he before? South Florida? Yeah. Yeah. We know what he was in the league, which is, like, fine. So I'm not very – I'm not overwhelmed. Um, And I know we ha- – oh, uh, Cam Spencer to Rutgers? Ah. Uh, I think I alluded to this last podcast, but it wasn't official yet. Cam Spencer's, like, a dreadful defender. Ooh, Casey Nadefo in the portal. There you go. McConnell anyway. and Mulcahy, though, were very good defenders, right? And, and yes. Morier, yeah. But it's this, like, Peter Kiss. You know, it's like, oh, this guy can score, but, you know, like, Peichel's never going to like him because he doesn't guard. Yeah, Shackle's on. But they definitely need him to score. So, like, I don't know. This kind of works. Um, any chance that, that Ron, Har- Ron Harper comes back? I don't think so. With, with him, they could have a pretty solid team, but he, he stayed as four. Yeah. Um, we mentioned Hayden Brown, but they also added Michi Johnson to South Carolina, which not the uh, not the biggest Michi guy. Has his moments, doesn't shoot it well enough. He, he was hurt wearing the mask this year. Oh um, yeah, the big mask. No, not not a COVID mask. Yeah, the uh, Rip Hamilton uh, face mask. Oh, yeah, more than Rip Hamilton. This thing was severe. Serious. Yeah, I mean South South Carolina is not going to be pretty next year. Oh yeah, uh, I don't think Lamont Paris has any chance of being successful. He's not not hit, harsh. Not hitting the ground running enough. No, no, I don't think he has any chance to recruit against the SEC. Uh, he was good at Chattanooga, but wasn't like some like a master tactician. He doesn't do anything different. I think at South Carolina, you have to be able to do something different or be able to swim, swim with the big fish. And he can't swim with the fit, big fish or do anything different. So I don't really know how it works. Got to get some guys to develop. We'll see what their first class looks like. Uh, Chris Isandoko to St. Joe's. Whatever. Yeah, it's not going to make an impact. This is where I am in my scroll. Um, did we do Ezra Mannion last week? I think we might have. To, to, to Vanderbilt. Well, I, th- I actually like Ezra Mannion as a player, but like knowing that it means that Scotty Bivens not coming back is like quite the down transfer. You know, it's like, ah. Uh. Yeah. We just replaced like maybe the best player in the SEC with Ezra Mannion, not the best player in the Big West. And then last but not least, Saba Gigaberia to San Francisco. That was fine. That yes, the one I liked for San Francisco was Tony Rokach from Spain, transfer from UC San Diego, not San Diego or San Diego are, State. UC San Diego. Are, are Meeks and Noonan coming back? I believe Meeks and Jash are both coming back. Meeks and who? Jash Coonan. Okay. Sorry. Um, uh, I think the hope is that they can get Khalil Shabazz back. That's the big one. And I think I think the roster's pretty set, but you could use another guard. Maybe a guy with multiple years of eligibility. Whether he's a sixth man or starts next to Shabazz. And then this team could be solid. But. I think we're in too deep here. 
that's literally all I have. So we're, we're in too deep. This is a two-hour podcast. Very off-season of us, two-hour podcast. But all right, folks, this is a big one. A lot of NIL conversations. As we were going, there was actually another good Jason Belzer NIL tweet, uh, just to give people an idea of what's going on. Um, so Jason Belzer runs NIL collectives, and he also uh, has coaching clients. He's an agent for coaches. So he tweeted, number one, the collectives we run have been approached by player agents, unsolicited naming prices for players that aren't even in the portal yet. And number two, my coaching clients have kids at the portal whose agents have told them directly they need insert dollars to play. There's your summary of how college basketball recruiting works right now. It's an interesting world. So they need they need. Wait, so like the agent's telling them like so like a player agent is telling a coach we're going to go into the portal unless you give us this amount of money. Gotcha. Fun times. All right, folks. See you next week.